This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 94 of the Radio Freest Van podcast, a Horace Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael, and I got my co-host Derek here. Going to say what's going on, Derek. How's it going, everybody? Also, I have powerful Scott. Going to say what's going on, Scott. I'm drinking a 24-ounce Modelo right now, and I'm pretty sure that makes me 24 ounces Mexican. <laughs> At least, minimum. 24 ounces of Mexican, the cheapest of beers. And we also have powerful Ryan Kimmel. Go and see what's going on, Ryan. And this episode is going to be the powerful Blood Angels episode. So let me let you guys know what we got in store for you. So naturally, of course, we're going to go with some hobby progress and some opening. Uh, we're going to talk about some Toys for Tots things that are needed for Toys for Tots for Powerful Jamie. Uh, then we're going to get straight into the Blood Angels. So we're going to go over some lore for the Blood Angels, which I'll probably get wrong. Uh, we're going to talk about some special rules that the Blood Angels have, which I'll probably get wrong. Uh, we're going to go into their special war gear, uh, which I got that down pretty well. Uh, then we're going to go into some special units that they have, which is uh, none. <laughs> so <Not> yet <laughs> easy <Zero>. enough there. <laughs> Congratulations! Poor shit. I made my own. They're called they're called attack bikes with assault cannons. That's my Blood Angel special. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was an easy section. Uh, then we're gonna go into some Rite of War and some other Rite of Wars that are good for them. Uh, normally, guys, if you're a first time listener and you're listening to this episode because. You're like, man, I'm starting Blood Angels. They told me Radio Free Istvan was a good resource to listen to if I'm trying to start a new Legion. Uh, guys, y'all are missing out on other things. Normally, we have voicemails on these episodes. We go through lists. We go through viewer questions, everything like that. Uh, but for these Legion special episodes, we dump them to the side. Um, but rounding off this entire episode, at the very end, we have a special surprise for you. We have a full interview with powerful powerful caleb and cat from ck studios fame and hobby hangout fame uh so we did sit down we did talk with them it's like an hour we had a blast and then we even continued to talk afterwards that we didn't record which was even more fun talking with caleb and cat but you don't get to hear it you don't get to hear it so sorry about that unless Uh, you have bugs in my house (laughs) putin (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, guys, uh, if you want to listen to some older episodes, you can hear our voicemails, things like that. I know for a fact this week, Powerful Alistair over at the Legions of Lies podcast sent us like six stories. Uh, Just like three minutes ago, I got an email from uh, Brad that just like straight up says bear story. So, and he said, hi, Mike, I was told to send you an email from a friend of mine. And so, like, he's got, like, a full bear story in there. So, like, we got bear stories next week, like, which I'm excited for. But Explain what's going to happen next week for everybody listening this week. Yeah. So, all you listeners this week that are, you know, in for the Blood Angels episode, and you're like, man, I really wanted to hear some some list and some voicemails. Well, good luck, man. Good, good news, friend. 
next week we are going to do another Listapalooza episode. We're going to do like just a straight up listener episode next week where we're going to cover, I think Ryan's got 20 lists. Scott has got a list. Derek has a list. Like everybody's got a list that we have to go over. So next week we're going to go over some lists for you guys. And as well, we're going to go over these voicemails, all these stories. We're going to have a good old time. It's just going to be incredible, and that's going to be all next episode. It'll be episode 95. So if you have stories, send them in. If you have emails, send them in. We're pretty much topped out on list, but I'm pretty sure you're going to send them in anyway, so I don't, I don't really well, know. Well, I don't know how many we'll get. I mean, I have 20. I mean, do we want to go through all 20? Last time I went through, what, like 23? Something insane. We had to break it into two days to do it all. It was insane. It was bad shit. But we did it. It's a lot of crunch. We did do it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll do some of them. We'll figure it out, boys. We'll do we'll a lot. It out. We'll do a lot. We're <laughs> just gonna say a lot. <coughs> so anyway, that's what we got going on this episode. Blood Angels fans, uh, glad to have you. All you new people who don't aren't normal listeners to the podcast, but just came to the episode to hear about Blood Angels, glad to have you. Hope you hit that subscribe button if you are already listening. Uh, Michael said, "Podcast." Just so everybody knows. He tried to go real fast so you guys didn't catch it, but he said podcast or something. A podcast? Is that what you said? I said a cundus Putabundus. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So, anyway, that's what we got going on this episode. So let's start it out. Let's just open straight up. Let's go into some hobby progress and our opening. Who wants to start out talk about what they did last week, hobby-related? I painted 750 points of Night Lords last week, and it fucking sucked. <laughs> oh. No, it doesn't. I'm proud of you, Derek. Good job. Oh, yeah, that's, it's They probably should have been finishing your Space Wolves, but at least you're painting fucking something. Yeah, just uh, getting better so I can get back into my Space Wolves. But no, a big shout-out. Thank you to wolves. everybody who uh, who's following that on Facebook and gave me kind words of encouragement. And also private, privately gave me uh, negative words of, I guess, reinforcement. Yep. Couldn't have hey, done it without Derek, both sides of that coin. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, dude. Like, here's the I, thing, Scott. Like, w- as much as we shit on Eric, he's got Space Wolves and Night Lords well underway. Where he's got, you know, he'll have like at least a thousand points of both painted here pretty soon. Where's Michael at? I think Michael's gonna be the new target if he don't fucking, you know. Giddy up here. Well, My Dark Angels well, are well. done, dude. What the yeah, fuck are you yeah. talking about? I'm working on nights right now. My Dark Angels are ready for this Escalation League. What? <laughs> All right. That's fine. I mean, I'm not out of the woods yet. I didn't get as far as I wanted to do. I want to do like the, the whole ham on them and get them, uh, get some uh, transfers on their shoulder pads. I've got like Night Lord transfers from that uh, Chaos Plastic kit I've been using. But I didn't get to do that. Thankfully, it was just that one transfer I was using. Everything else is just, you know freehanding lightning which thankfully came out way better than it has any right looking like Jesus it, it Christ. does man it looks really good your guys look really sharp Derek. they really do yeah everybody had something to say about it at the uh at the escalation league that we kicked off this past weekend and, and that was, that was fucking handled for traders dude we like handled that shit for traders aren't Not y'all me. traders aren't y'all traders y'all's escalation league y'all are going over there yeah, our team sucks, apparently. Yeah, our team's fucking hot garbage. Just to yeah. fucking ignore us. <laughs> We're in a very <laughs> isolated part of the galaxy. Yeah, dude, we, uh, we beat off dicks with two hands. 
I think there's only like one game that traders didn't win, and uh, I, I lost that game at great cost. But I got some sick Dark Angels knowledge, uh, blood, uh, blood Angels knowledge, that I can drop this episode <laughs> that I paid for dearly at the hands of a blade of perdition. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Forgot about. I forgot you played Cody, and <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. doing pretty good up until you I guys, met that blade. Did you guys play it the the old way, or did you play it the FAQ way? Uh, we played the old way. Yeah, okay. I didn't know there was an FAQ for it. There's an FAQ for. There's the... not a real one. The FAQ that yeah. we did on Eye of Horse. Oh, the okay. RFI Eye of Horse FAQ. No, we we did it balls out. We did it. We did it just where <laughs> it's flat out just murder blade of salty tears. So, but yeah, so I got, uh, it, we're supposed to have 500 points. I did 750 just cause I want to have a couple different needs to pick from. Um, did some more work on my space wolves. Now that I found out that for some weird ass reason, I just Googled when is Adepticon and it pulled up, I think last year's or the year before that was during the episode, dude. Yeah. So we have live footage of me finding out that Adepticon is not in April as I thought it was. It is in fact over a month earlier. So you got my reaction to finding out, holy shit, I've got to reschedule a lot of things. But uh, good news, look like I will be able to still go to Adepticon. So sorry, but you fucks are going to see me there. <laughs> good for you. So yeah, sat down. Uh, all of my Space Wolves are properly based. All I've got to do is do my decal work on my infantry, uh, weather up my drop pods, and then I've got uh, six tanks i got to paint from scratch. But if I now that I'm used to just getting on getting off work, sitting down and fucking cranking shit out, hopefully I'll have it done. But if I don't get the tanks, it's not going to be a big deal. I'll still have uh, like three thousand points to play with. I just wanted the option of not doing drop pods. Those are cool options. I get that. But yeah, that was my week. I like how you did get internet bullied into. You know, cranking some shit out. So, I'm happy for that. Oh, yeah. You did good. A lot of positive reinforcement. I posted all your stuff to Instagram. <laughs> Actually, everything that goes on our Facebook now goes to our Instagram as well. I'm trying to do two posts a day on there, and it's getting pretty wild. So Nice. Feel free to add all the hashtags you need to to anything I post, because I don't know what the fuck to hashtag. Oh, yeah. You know, I hashtag like crazy. So, Radio Frist Van on Facebook, or on Instagram. Go to give it a look. Hashtag bust. Hashtag bust. Who wants to go next? Fucking got this. Listen, what have <laughs> I done? What have I done in the last couple of weeks? Not much. Uh, to, to be honest, I just got my 30 assault Marines in my Mark five assault Marines. Nice. Currently snipping those off the fucking sprue and filing, filing them down and getting them all pretty looking. Hopefully, I by the end of this episode, I'll have these guys put together in sub-assembly so I can start painting them. And after that, I just have that uh, that custom Praetor to do for, for fucking right of command coming up in April. Martinsville, Indiana. Be there or be fucking square. I'll it's on Facebook, people. It's on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, it's on Bookface, so check it out there. Um, and after that, I just have anger on, so... And I'll have over 5,000 points of world leaders done. Feels pretty good. Um, what else have I done? That's pretty much it, man. I'm in fucking school. You know? I, I don't know. I have a midlife crisis. Just, just the huge. 
That's what I do. <laughs> well, that sounds fantastic. Did you get any games in, Scott? Did you get any Escalation games in? Yeah, I did, and I fucking immediately lost, naturally. I fucking <laughs> played my buddy Nick, and I lost that game, but I played him afterward in a 2,500-point game, and I won that by point. So I kind of redeemed myself, but not really, because that one doesn't count towards the belief. Or it did. Yeah, it did, but... <laughs> uh, so... Well, that's I a broke bummer. even. Nothing lost, nothing gained. It was the only trader victory on our whole team this entire for the entire twelve hundred fifty point level. So sorry, I couldn't play any games, man. I've been painting terrain. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking this this goddamn heresy is ending abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> well, my goodness. There, yeah. yeah. You know, speaking of, I didn't realize how close Kentucky and Indiana were to each other until yeah. I saw they that. They do border like each Victoria other. Victoria and Houston yeah. close, like physically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize until we were watching live PD while me and Derek were painting. And oh, Jeffersonville. Saw- That's why Jeffersonville's such a shithole because all Scott's fucking methed out <laughs> Louisville folks bleed over the goddamn river into hey, old poor Jeffersonville. Entrepreneurs, sir, is the <laughs> Yeah, man, I saw I saw a police chase from what Jeffersonville to uh, to Louisville. Like, and I'm like watching. They're like, yeah, they're going, going back home. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is the this is the bridge that leads into Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm like, oh shit! Did they lead the fucking cops into the west end of Louisville, and all of a sudden they started getting shot at by RPGs and shit? Because that's pretty much. <laughs> How it goes down over there. Fuck, uh, so, the eleventh most dangerous city in the United States with a fucking murder rate of ten point eight people for every hundred thousand citizens. Yeah, Scott uh, knows all the murder rates in the U.S. Yeah, just so you know, very high. <laughs> we were in fucking Lansing on that goddamn trip, and he was just like, "Did you know?" And he's like reading off all these fucking like, murders. This place is a fucking death trap. We yeah. got to get out <laughs> of here. Get there, Rain Man. I don't think I care. Let's just eat some barbecue and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come to a fucking barbecue restaurant with Debbie Downer Scott read me off fucking murder statistics out of his brain. <laughs> so yeah, I, I no, he he didn't go to the west side of uh of Louisville, but he sure did go over through that over that bridge, which looks like it's constantly under some sort of construction. And so the cop yeah, had to basically. pull off. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you know where you're construction going. Construction right? you bridge, to, man. You need to pull the hell off and back up. <laughs> they're like, uh, this is getting too sketchy. Just, Shut you know, it down. People visiting the United States ever, and they think it's like a goddamn war zone over here, as the media would have you believe. Google, uh, what is it? Uh, U.S. crime percentage in only 5% of counties or most crime in only 5% of counties. And you will quickly see that literally like 90% of the crime in the U S is in only 5% of the counties. So there are like 10 fucking shithole cities in all the U S where everybody kills each other and everybody yeah. else just sits outside and shakes their head and looks at those. Pretty much. Pretty and much. goes on about the day. So just so people know. Yeah. Don't, don't Pretty go to much. Houston at night. <laughs> if you, yeah. you know, it's rough. California's best rough. avoided. Detroit, <laughs> rough. If you can, <laughs> yeah. RoboCop is based on a true story. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> but uh, 
I can't wait blood. to get Tim and Michael over here and make them watch Live PD. Hopefully they're here. You they're going to be at your place, Michael. They'll be down in Texas when it's on. So you oh, got to yeah. make sure they fucking watch watch some Live PD, at least like an hour or two of it. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I get Tim blazed and then we're going to just like sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at watch how America's gets. Let's go ahead and <laughs> let's like, go. Oh, you know what time it is? It's time for lockdown. <laughs> we, we gotta stay in the home everybody We're stays indoors gonna, we, can, we can see what's going on outside in live pd you, you don't want to be outside right now yeah it's gonna just be great just so you know i have a typed up itinerary of everything we're doing when i get a hold of them fucking where we're eating where we're stopping times that we need to be out of one location and out of another location i will uh i will let you know that my plan for them is not at all that organized it's like yeah at some point we'll probably shoot guns <laughs> that sounds fun <laughs> so we'll find out that would fall for free time on my itinerary <laughs> we got a, a break for some light snacks eight minutes and 33 seconds of <laughs> free time and uh during this travel time you get a juice box <laughs> So what have you been working on, Ryan? Where are you at? Besides all the okay. massive amount of so terrain. The last time, so since the last time I've been on the show, here's my hobby progress. I built two dreadnoughts, two contemptors to, for the nice. painting class. I went to said painting class, which was two days long, and painted a dreadnought. And my wife painted the other dreadnought. I assembled nice. six Battletech models. I read two Battletech novels. I painted five tables for Adepticon. When I say painted five tables, I painted the terrain for the tables and the surfaces, the full surface of three. I did have some help. Um, Andrew Littleton, uh, James Sportout, and Mike Schmitz helped me. They helped. Shout out. Uh, Mike, Trooper Mike, he's got a nickname. Trooper Mike. Mike's my fucking trooper. He sat (laughs) in silence and painted goddamn rocks on those stupid desert tiles repeatedly while we all like sat around and played grab ass and laughed and joked. And he didn't even join in the conversation. He had his head down, painting rocks. And about every hour, I'd look over. I'd forget that he was even there because he was so quiet and focused on his task. And I'd go, God damn it, Mike. I'm like, I kept trying to like get a hold. I tried to get him to, to give me his parents' phone number because I was going to call them. And I'd say, immediately get to work on more mics. I need fucking 10 more mics. before." <laughs> and he quickly informed me that he's pretty sure that's not how that works, that I probably wouldn't get them before Adepticon. I was sad. But Mike's my trooper. Um, that's why in our patron chat, he is now Trooper Mike. So to powerful Trooper Mike. Yep. Mike's pretty <laughs> dead inside. He does. So he, he's good at stuff like that. I play, uh, I play games with Mike like on a bi-weekly basis and I can confirm. I'm not totally sure Mike has a soul left in his body anymore. I also did uh 25 lists for the show. Uh, 20 of which are in a stack. Mm. The other ones were just in messages. And I did that. Then I did that interview last night. So that was my hobby progress. Solid, pretty solid. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hobby progress, and very, very solid. Of course, of course. <laughs> Trooper Mike, man, thank you so much for taking that stress off Orion. Of we don't need him shitting any more black bricks. We just need to keep him stress free until Adepticon, so he can have a good time. Everything like that. We just need to <laughs> just keep him. Keep them alive till then. And then it's I've all been painting a giant crunch. fucking bridge. That's what I was doing today. For, 
before we started recording, painting a seven foot bridge. Which looks amazing. Where'd it come from? Where'd that bridge come from? Blue Forge Terrain. Blue Forge Terrain. Powerful Blue Forge Terrain. You really don't get a sense of how big that thing is until you put the pictures of like with the uh, with the tanks on it. That thing is fucking massive. Yeah, right. it's like four rhinos wide. It's like I think it's three rhinos wide and seven feet long. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, can't wait and to see that table a, fully done. Got a giant fucking ramp and all kinds of crazy shit. So, love it, dude. Fucking it's love legit. It. I'm hoping, hoping to be done <clears throat> with terrain by the end of the week, and that gives me another week to. Uh, <laughs> I well, I need to pack shit up. Which like people think, oh, he's just packed for Adepticon. That's not a big deal. Nah, I got to pack like fucking fifteen tables into totes and go get a U-Haul trailer and all kinds of shit. So it's like a two-day job to pack for Adepticon. So I'm gonna do that, and I'm also going to try to uh, paint five. If I can get five more fucking Terminators done for my uh, Death Guard. I can play 2,500 points instead of just 2,000 like for pickup games with that army. And then I also want to paint these uh, five or six Battletech models I built. So when Tim and Michael uh, come back to my place, because they wanted to try some Battletech. So. That's what's up. That's awesome, dude. Getting ready for the powerful Australians to be here. Did you Australian-proof your house? I don't know what that would entail, but... I... Well, yeah. I mean, technically, yes, because I have two Australian cattle dogs, and the one is straight from hell, and she's ripped holes in drywall, chewed the bottom of a door off, ripped a hole in... Like, so, yes, it's Australian proof for her, so it's got to count. <laughs> By the way, uh, one of our mutual friends, I was talking to him, and I said something about, no, it's at Ryan's house, and he says, oh, I'm going to have to go over there and steal it, or something like that. And I said, well... I said that won't work out because he has a fucking raptor in his house that you have to watch out for. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we let people know not to go to your house. <laughs> wow. Also, we drill. Drill at this house. We run through, we run through <laughs> exercises. <laughs> oh. Oh, my. Not gonna go into that and what that entails, but just know I have friends coming over, and I made a goddamn itinerary just to what restaurants we want to go to. So if you don't think I have a battle plan for somebody comes into my fucking house that's well rehearsed, you're sorely mistaken, sir. <laughs> so you got to throw some weird shit into the element. <laughs> you got. <laughs> So if you're going to break into Ryan's house, you better come fucking just with weird stuff. You better bring water balloons full of lube and just start throwing them all over the place. <laughs> so everything's all slippery. Just make it weird. And Ryan's going through his like filing cabinet of like Batman backup plans. <laughs> He's got a clipboard, water balloons of lube. Of lube. <laughs> bring, me, bring me the flower. Throw the flower everywhere. Did I file that under W for water balloons or L for lube? Shit. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it. That's all I did. What you got, Michael? Uh, so this week, since I last talked to you guys, uh, go check me out on the Long War podcast, the the most recent Long War podcast, probably when you hear this drop. It actually might be the one before. I uh, did jump on those guys, powerful Kenny Boucher and Rob Bear, uh, did have me on as part of an old Kickstarter 
uh, pledge that I had given them from like 2016 actually got me on their podcast for a uh, for uh, I guess like I mean I got to talk about whatever I wanted on their podcast so Kenny Boucher actually straight up interviewed me about the heresy camp so we did talk about heresy camp so go check that out there's really not too much information that you can't get if you already listen to our heresy camp episodes uh that we have but it's still <coughs> nice to talk to kenny Boucher about it he was talking about you know playing ba- basketball and stuff like that at heresy camp website we also did the you did the heresy camp web or somebody did the heresy camp website yeah so heresycamp.com is up and running now uh so you can just look at some pictures of the actual uh, place itself. So if you go to heresycamp.com, you'll get to see pictures of Camp Aaron Zanzu. Uh, we have the schedule up there as well. Uh, you can just go to register to buy your tickets there, everything like that. Just heresycamp.com. As we work on it more and more, we're getting more and more descriptions. Our camp counselors, we already have them, what events they'll be running and everything like that. We're just slowly getting uh, um, descriptions added on there for the events that they'll be running. So. We're, we're working on that right now. Uh, speaking of heresy camp, dude, this week, uh, actually today, I went on a full-fledged sponsorship pool to see if we can get some sponsors uh, for heresy camp, see if they wanted to donate prize support or anything like that. And uh, shout-out to powerful Mad Robot Miniatures, man. Powerful Steven over there. It's powerful Steve. Uh, he's our first sponsor straight out the gate. No questions asked. He's sponsoring... Uh, a full table worth of terrain. He's going to donate everything for that. So if you have a chance, guys, go give Mad Robot Miniatures your business. He's sponsoring Heresy Camp. He's sponsoring a full table. So we'll have a Mad Robot Miniatures table. Um, I did send out emails to pretty much everybody that is wargaming that I could think of. You know, any wargaming company that in my head would make sense that might want to sponsor Heresy Camp. Uh, but... I'm pretty sure I missed some. So if you guys can think of any or if you have like a, a local center or something like that that you think would want to sponsor Heresy Camp, definitely help, tell them to hit me up at michaelwarhammer30k.com and we'll definitely get that in the works. Basically, the way I figure it is, is we will just dedicate tables and, you know, we'll call this, you know, the Mad Robot Miniatures table and things like that. And, of course, whenever we're live streaming and on the fa- on the actual website itself, we'll go ahead and put that they – I already got an idea for the Mad Robot table. How cool would it be? We like the murder servitors in Zone Mortalis so much. What Love if we it. had NPC all over the board, like little battle robots or angry robots that just attacked whoever got close to them? It's the Mad Robot table. I love it, man. I can finally get those uh, construction <clears throat> nights underway. <laughs> we can have real murder <laughs> robots. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so yeah, guys. So that's in the works. Uh, good news on the on the wall table that is in the works as well i got some terrain in today for that uh we'll talk about it actually i'll just let you guys know it's tank traps and minefields so that came in today for the wall so i'm super excited about this wall table i keep talking about this like wall mini game that's going to be going on and every time i tell somebody about the wall mini game they tell me how they beat the wall and then so i like make up new rules and so like by the time september rolls around this wall is gonna just be insane so like as soon as somebody tells me oh i would just do this it's like well now there's a minefield (laughs) and it's armor bane i have yet to hear a bad idea come out of that yeah dude so every everything the only i you know i'm not even gonna say it so anyway so so yeah that came in today so we're just doing tons and tons of prep uh, for heresy camp um speaking of that man for the, for even the wall campaign 
or for the wall mini game that we're going with my so i i I wanted knights to guard my wall because people were telling me like well how are you going to get down from the wall if you're like are you going to have sword brethren that are going to be on the wall they're going to be outside the wall if they're outside the wall i'm just going to shoot them and i was like oh you're probably right i was like so let me go and put a couple knights outside the wall so that if people try and charge the wall they can just like clean them off and like you know and so i i was like okay i want to get a couple knights to sit outside the wall, but I don't want them to be just like normal knights. I want them to be like custom badass knights. Uh, so I went through all the different custom knight bits makers, and I actually found a Spartan head from Conrad Keish, like Comrade Keish or Gadgets Plus on Shapeways. He makes a special Spartan face helmet, and then I got some spiked shoulder pads from him, and then I went to Tarot Model Maker. And I ordered the giant shield, another one of the giant shields, because I already own one of the giant shields, and then a, uh, a like a spear lance kind of thing, and then um, so I'm gonna make two custom gate guardians that are gonna guard the wall, and then as well, <laughs> and I've already started working on the range one, which is gonna be a uh, crusader, which is thermal cannon, battle cannon, and so uh, that's the one I was actually painting like. 10 minutes before we started this podcast. And so I got those bits in yesterday to start building that up. If you guys haven't seen it yet, or if you guys have custom nights you want to build up, go check out gadgets plus on Shapeways. comrade quiche has tons of nights bits. And then tarot model maker has axes. He has uh, giant chain axes. He has uh, giant hammers. He's got uh, Gatling guns for the top of them. I mean, he has everything. Uh, that you could possibly want to put on a night bit for like upgrading it for close combat and things like that. And basically to turn a, a Questorus kit into uh, like some of the Serastis chassis, like, you know, the Asheron, the Serastis and the Lancer, how there's not quite bits to make Questorus chassis into those. Uh, He gives you the bits to make them, those even though they aren't the actual Serastis chassis it like i don't think anybody's gonna give you shit for running a questorus lancer but i don't know if they do then you shouldn't be playing them anyway so uh definitely pretty cool man i had those legs lying around for the posable legs so uh if you go check our instagram you can actually see the night that i put together uh i actually photoshopped it all together with all the pieces i wanted and then now it's like full fruition like i got it all blue tacked up yesterday and then today i've actually started painting it and priming it and all that jazz so got the first coat down painting it red and bronze like spartan style so that's what i've been working on oh and uh, my dark angels man so i finished my dark angels before like way before the escalation league uh my 500 points worth of them uh it was super simple it was a six-man veteran squad with a combi grenade launchers my delegatus and a my venerable Venerable Dreadnought Snoop Dogg, who I... He's a champ. He's a champ, man. I, I like, straight up... You got people scared of a cast of farm Dreadnought. <laughs> How do you real. feel? For real. So, we played Zone Mortalis, right? And uh, uh, it was me. I, I had, I'm had i on the trader side because of the because uh, the balance issues. And I told him if I need to go trader, I'd go trader. So, I'm on the trader side, and... <laughs> first game that i have to play i'm actually teamed up with a thousand sons player it's me a dark angels player and a thousand sons player versus a custodes army and an imperial fist army 
And so I'm like totally game to fight some custodes because I've got a uh, plasma cannon and plasma blaster on venerable, venerable dreadnought Snoop. And he just made all the wrong mistakes and got into combat with venerable dreadnought Snoop with his, uh, melta bombs and did not realize that Castaferum dreadnoughts are uh, weapon skill five as well. You know, they're just, <laughs> just little Legion dreadnoughts hitting back at weapon skill five. So they need fours. They're getting one attack a piece. Cause all they have is melt bombs and they're just missing like crazy while he's sitting there, just popping them with his hand, with his strength 10 hand, just laying down work. But what's really cool. And this is probably, you know, we'll, we'll end it with this MVP MVP of the actual game itself. So, Powerful, powerful Tom Gold and Andrew Hollis. Both, we I, I purchased Andrew Hollis Hollis's uh, stratagem cards, and I was sent Tom Gold's Zomortalis stratagem cards. Which Tom Gold's are just like, just ridiculous. Every Legion has like two special stratagems they can take. Every like I put them in card protectors. Everybody went through and they picked what stratagems they wanted. Uh, but for me, because I knew I was going to be going against custodes and I wanted bodies to kind of slow them down, uh, I used two stratagems. One was the voidsman stratagem to where I took the, uh, the extra gang of voidsmen, like, which is six dudes. And then Tom actually had another stratagem called cult horde, which gave you 10, like 10, no armor, just weapon skill two, just like cult horde dudes, like running around as a trader only stratagem. And I was like, yeah, I could take this. And so I sent those at the, uh, at the, oh man, Sword Brethren, not Sword Brethren, the, what are they called? Imperial Fist Golden special. Fuck boys. No, 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 the, the, the Imperial Fist, uh, Imperial Fist Sword Dudes. Man, I can't remember. I thought it was Sword Brethren, but it could be something. Templar Brethren? Yeah, Templar Brethren. That's right. I sent uh, my Colt Horde at the Templar Brethren to slow them down, but because I knew that I was going to, like, Venerable Snoop was down to one hole point, and there was one Custodes left, and it was going on his turn, so I made sure I charged Voidsman in, because I had a full unit of my uh, of my veterans, like, ready to unload on this one Custodes, and they were Marksman vets, so I was like, I'm going to kill him. And so, but I needed them to hold him up for one turn while that happened, so I sent my Voidsman vets in there, and the Voidsman... Not the Voidsman vets, uh, the the crew, the Voidsman crew, stratagem ran in there and did two wounds to the uh, to the custodes. <clears throat> actually killed the custodes. Like this entire like crew of Voidsmen like just went in there, murdered this last custodes, which my dreadnought could not do. And I don't know, it's MVP in my eyes. Like you got some like some <laughs> just random ass dudes with shotguns. That dude's gonna be bragging about that. Yeah. So. They murdered that last custodes, man. I was, I was so proud of him. I was so happy about that. Ha, uh, Hollis sent me uh, two little... I don't even know what you'd call them. Uh, like NPC characters. Oh, the cards. knights. Like you can use it... Huh? The knights, right? The, like, uh, yeah. Aren't they knights? Yeah. yeah. I haven't done anything with them yet. I didn't even... I barely read their cards. I opened them up. I need to take pictures of them and put them on Facebook. i just been busy... With all this other shit. After Adepticon, I promise I'll be better. But I'm singularly focused on getting the shit done for that. Oh, the other thing I did was, for people who want to know, that listen to this, that are also going to be at Adepticon for my event, 
I typed up all the missions and wrote all the missions out, and they're up and ready to go. So mm. if you get on the Adepticon page, you can download all the missions. They're all up on their Dropbox. <laughs> yes, they are. Thank you. Or if you're awful, if you're awful at fucking Dropbox like I am, just email me and I'll email you back the fucking missions. So what a gentleman! What a goddamn gentleman! So. One of the one of the funny things I wanted to point out about my Dark Angels in that Zomortalis mission there, I didn't lose a single Dark Angel. And like my Dark Angels the entire time played the mission. Like like I had another stratagem which was like a hole, like a, a tunnel. So my Centurion dropped in, grabbed the dude, walked him out, my dreadnought like held a line and my like my veteran squad just held the fuck back <laughs> and I just sent forward all of my cult horde and just sent forward all of my voidsmen and just like in dark angels fashion, just like stood back and like, just let them do all the dirty work while just I uh... started some shit with the crew and let them do all the dirty work. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking great, dude. It's such a, such a good game. So yeah, that's what I've been working on. It's been a good time. There's more stuff. I just can't remember right now, but So, anyway, I guess, uh, I mean, that's going to be it. I mean, oh, yeah, that's it for hobby progress. But we do have one thing that we do need to talk about for powerful, powerful Jamie, uh, who runs our uh, Toys for Tots. And so I know you've heard us talk about it before, especially around the Christmas season and things like that, where we're talking about, you know, the eBay auctions that are put up for Toys for Tots. Uh, If you don't know, Toys for Tots is actually a... Uh, marine run program that tries to ensure that children get Christmas <clears throat> presents and things they need for Christmas time. And these are they're the children that need money and they're, they're underprivileged. Uh, so what powerful Jamie does is throughout the year, he actually uh, receives donations of Warhammer models and he finds commission painters to donate their time uh, to get these models professionally painted and at the end of the year he actually takes these models puts them in an ebay auction and all the proceeds from the ebay auctions go directly to toys for tots to ensure that children get a good christmas they get jackets they need and things like that uh so one thing that we did want to talk about this episode was um he's already got all the list made and he's already got everything he needs written out to what models he needs. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to share with you guys what models he needs. So if you have these lying around or if you have these models you don't need, then you can contact Jamie. That's J A M E at Warhammer 30 K.com. And you can send him these models and he'll take them in and you do like, I think he'll even send you information on how to write it off on your taxes and stuff like that. So, uh, so just to let you guys know, so they have most of the stuff rolling in, uh, but they're needing some donations. If you have uh, Death Guard pads, you know, some Death Guard uh, shoulder pads lying around, uh, White Scars pads and doors, if you have those lying around, he is taking those in. Sons of Horrors pads. Uh, so you can <coughs> see, obviously, any of those legions are what he's looking for, and that's actually we had you guys vote on what we, you thought would be the best legion to see. Um He's needing... I vote use raiders. decals. Fucking huh? molded shoulder pads. Fucking plebs. Take a class. <laughs> Do some decals. <laughs> so 
They are needing land raiders. So if you have any land raiders lying around, old land raiders, anything like that, assembled, preferred, uh, like primed, hopefully no no paint on it, but, you know, let them know what you got, and I'm pretty sure he'll tell you if they can use it or not. Uh, not picky. They're not picky, of course. Uh, then uh, quad mortars. If you have any quad mortars lying around, anything old old like that. Sikarins, uh bikes or jet bikes, drop pods, charybdises, Gestarians, money, of course, if you always want to donate money, you can donate money. money. It is a tax write-off for you guys. Just let him know. Jamie will send you all the paperwork and everything like that. Uh, Bases, if you guys want to donate bases, he's got, they need bases. And then, of course, foam. If you guys want to donate foam or anything like that, I know I had foam lying around that I have given to my friends. So if you guys have foam, then, then... you know, donate that to Powerful Jamie. Once again, that's Jamie, J-A-M-E, at warmer30k.com. Uh, real quick, once again, that's Death Guard pads, White Scars pads, Sons of Horus pads, Land Raiders, Squad Mortars, Sakarans, Bikes, Drop Pods, Cribdis, Gestarians. So if you got any of that, give Jamie a hit up. It's for the children. For the children. So. So, glad we shouted that out. So, so anyway. A crazy idea for a charity a charity event. Oh yeah, you're gonna share it on the podcast. Or you're just gonna be sneaky about it. We I'm can. Talking. What if me and Scott played a game, right? We live stream said game, but we came up with like wacky rules, like a unit can shoot again, or somebody gets to re-roll a die or whatever. But people online are rooting for me to win or for Scott to win, so they have to donate money to give us these abilities while we play live. I love and it. And then to up the stakes, then to up the stakes, the fucking loser has to pay the penalty. And Scott would either have to shave his head or I would have to shave my beard. That's a national treasure. Look at <laughs> Scott. I'll get the look. <laughs> <laughs> I did not did not run this by Scott. This is just an idea I had in the fucking yeah, this, is, this is live, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is real. Cut the feet. Cut the A crazy idea that I had that I thought would be funny. That's pretty far up there on the list of crazy ideas. I don't know, man. I'm I'm down for doing crazy stuff like that at Heresy Camp. Like if we want like that whole like donate to give benefits thing is pretty wild so hey i'll i'll do one better instead of fucking shave my head we'll go back to joella's and i'll order that fucking chicken that i have to have like goggles and gloves on and i'll eat it on live stream suffer and die how's that i'm not eating something that kills me so i'll just stick with shaving my beard yeah, yes. I don't know. I feel know. like you wanted to shave they... your beard anyway. <laughs> why, why, why are we making this easy for you? I don't say what. I'll a small packet waiver I have to sign and everything. And like, <laughs> we're within a certain range of hospitals. So, <laughs> we'll grill up Ryan, an old raccoon that was on the highway. <laughs> That's what you got to eat. It won't kill you. Don't worry about that. It's just not going to be great. Uh, it depends on who's grilling it. So. <laughs> So yeah, guys, man, that sounds super fun, Ryan. We'll have to start working up some rules for that. I do like I do like that idea of a actual game where money can can upgrade your units and shit. So yeah, I mean we can't do it. Like it's people watching the live stream. Yep. And they get to like buy. You know, we have a list of abilities that cost different amounts based on whatever, and they can do it. At, like 
it, like they could pay X amount f- to give X unit like an extra shooting phase, and if people want to keep donating, it's got that unit. rollable armor saves. It's fucking yeah. a worthwhile investment. Trust yeah, me. there you go. I, Anything. I see somebody donating like a hundred bucks, and like a death a death storm drop pod just shoots in, just goosh, just like unloads. It's like, oh, here comes the tarantula turrets. Goosh, drop pod comes a in. Fucking death storm drop pod full of phosphex dischargers just fucking lands like yes, yes. <laughs> thank you thank you so much uh, pussy destroyer 6969 <laughs> you, you definitely saved my ass now i'll have to definitely definitely figure out something like that dude that I'm, I'm i'm 100 game for that so but anyway you ready for some blood angels i think i'm, I'm ready, ready. Blood angels Okay, guys. So, so who are the Blood Angels? So, this is the part of the podcast where we're going to go over everything Blood Angels wise. If you skipped everything else, you missed out on some funny stuff. But I get it. You're here for the Blood Angels. So, hey, timestamp this because inevitably there's going to be three motherfuckers going, "Hey, what time does this start in the podcast?" And we never timestamp anything, and then I have to look at it and go, "Jesus Christ, why didn't we timestamp that?" <clears throat> it's timestamps. <laughs> we're good. Okay. <laughs> if you noticed, I wrote a description on the last episode. We're coming up, boys. <laughs> We're coming up. So anyway, this is the Blood Angels portion of the episode, guys. Uh, so we're going to be going over the lore for the Blood Angels. We're going to be going over their special rules, special war gear, rights of war, and some good rights of war for them. So let's go and break this down. So starting out, guys, if you're brand new to the Warhammer universe, in other words, you don't understand at all, what you're getting into with the 40k universe we're going to start there so as we do every episode for the primarchs we do or not for the primarchs for the legion itself uh the blood angels are the ninth legion for starters and the fighting ninth the fighting ninth boys and let's just give you a little breakdown because we're going to talk a little bit about sanguinous all right and so sanguinous is a primarch uh you've probably seen a number of people who have their Warhammer armies, and they bring their Primarchs in there, and you're probably thinking to yourself, what the fuck is a Primarch? Well, the Emperor, God Emperor himself, had 20 sons that he sent, that he had little gestation pods, he was making the perfect humans, and then the warp came in and threw them all over the galaxy. Hey, Michael. Yeah. Oh, 21 sons, I'm sorry, 21 sons. Supposedly, supposedly. I, I guess the twins do exist, they're canon now, whatever. 21 sons. So they were thrown all over the galaxy from the warp, okay? Now, the sun that makes sense for this episode, the sun that we're going to talk about on this episode is Sanguinius, okay? So let's, let's go ahead and break out this story for you. So Sanguinius, when he was thrown all over the galaxy, he was actually sent to a planet called Ball Secundus, which is actually a moon of the planet Ball. It's a little desert moon. It's highly, highly radiated planet, and... He actually fell onto the planet and was found by the people of the pure blood, or they just call themselves the blood. Okay? So these people, these little tribes of people, they find him, and they don't really know if it was actually warp taint or if it was the emperor who did it. There's not really a like any explanation, but baby little Sanguinus, who's this little baby Primarch, had little baby cherub wings. Okay? So upon finding him, the people of the pure blood who have 
notoriously been fighting mutants and killing off mutants who are on this irradiated planet see that this little baby has wings and they say, you know what? This is just one of them nasty mutants that we need to go ahead and kill off. And so they, they were planning on killing him. That was the plan. They were just going to murder him. But something came over them and they're like, no, I see perfection in this baby. There's something in this baby. I don't want to murder it. And so they don't. So they end up taking it in and there's a little fight amongst them. And they're like, you know what? Let's not kill this little baby cherub. So the blood ends up taking this little kid in. And by the time, you know, he's a, he's a boy, he's already insanely strong. Uh, he actually kills a ball light scorpion really early on when he's a child, which is like this just ridiculously highly mutated, like fallout level scorpion. And as a little kid, he just murders this thing. And it's like a really big deal. And so immediately he's already surpassed his, his little clan of the blood. So by the time he's a year old, he's already just a full grown man. And which is kind of weird if you think about it, but they've already accepted that he's something special. And just his Primarch ability is already like, if you're, if you're not familiar with what the Primarchs are or anything like that, the Primarchs are essentially just superhumans. They're like immune to radiation. They're immune to sickness. They grow extremely fast. They have, uh, they have different abilities, uh, that the emperor gifted them. And so in this case, these highly radiated planets, which the most of the, the blood or the, the pure blood have to wear these special radi- radiated suits to keep the radiation off of them. Uh, Sanguininus is just fine. Like he can walk around in it, no problem. And so he's walking around like this beautiful, beautiful angel that he is. So by the time he's a full grown man, these little baby cherub wings have grown into full on angel wings. So he's the epitome of what it looks like classic classic perfection which is a beautiful beautiful angel um now something to think about it like i guess no we won't, we won't go into whether he has black hair or blonde hair but it's looks he like just me. he looks That's like an angel imagine <laughs> so he's this he's this beautiful beautiful angel and by the time mm-hmm. he's fully grown and everything like that uh his he actually his tribe gets attacked by a mutant horde and he murders all of them he slays all of them and by that time, they realize that he's something special if they aren't already realized by his giant fucking wings. Um, so by him doing this, they decide that he is their champion. He's their god. He's their their he's going to be their leader. And so Sanguinius ends up uniting all the tribes of the pure blood. So he gets them all together. They kill off all the mutants on the planet. It's like a purge. They just go in and genocide the planet of mutants all the kill those ever fucking after. sand people fucking anakin style so <laughs> yeah yeah and so by the time uh <laughs> by the time like i just like t- talking about it it's pretty <laughs> shitty like sanguinius is kind of fucked up like he's a Jesus, mutant too he killed his own people <laughs> Yo, some of those uh, mutants were just trying to get by you know just trying to live their <laughs> fucking mutant life Working mute Kmart, trying to fucking save a little money in mutant IRA. <laughs> Fuck you, this guy comes out of nowhere. I just, I just imagine it's like uh, fucking Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where he's fucking just runs through the wedding. He's just killing all the random people. He's <laughs> just like in the room, like doing random shit. He just like comes running through, and the music like gets cranked up real loud and dramatic as he runs through, he's just fucking murdering folks, and then runs off. <laughs> so. Sanguinius may or may not have been a fucking lunatic. <laughs> so, like, somehow we've turned Sanguinius, who's like 
the peak of like perfection and beauty into a fucking lunatic. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you just went and genocided this planet of mutants, you sicko. History is written by the winners. Yeah. So anyway, like that guy wasn't even a mutant. He just had long sideburns, and he killed him. Like. <laughs> Then the camera pans out, and he's like, eyes were in flip-flops. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So anyway, so Sanguinius goes and purges all these mutants. Like, he unites all the tribe, gets rid of all the unmentionables and unwanted. And uh, uh, basically, uh, by the time this has gone down, uh, the Emperor is out looking for his sons, uh, and... The Emperor hears on the Balite world that there's this great warrior, and he's like, surely that's one of my sons. And so uh, he goes to, to Ball. He killed all the people whose toes, whose center toe was longer than the rest of their toes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he went on a quest of perfection. That's the last one. last one I was just thinking in my head. Like, like where did he stop? Like what? Like where did where were yeah. mutants? Like, like oh, this guy's like, hey, an Audi. <laughs> That's a mutation, motherfucker. <laughs> oh man. Oh. So anyway, the emperor hears about these genocides going on. He's like, hey, there's a great warrior over there. That's got to be one of my boys, one of my sons. So he actually disguises himself and goes down to the planet, and. Sanguinius is giving this just insane speech to his people to to get them rallied up and to get them. And the Emperor is actually disguised in the background, you know, this like random as twelve foot tall like, <laughs> hidden guy in the background. You just think he's a dirty old bum and you're about to sock him one. You think, hold up, there's something special about this guy. Something special about his bum. Turns out it's Jesus. <laughs> Turns out it's the Emperor. So Sanguinius immediately like feels this presence there. And immediately knows what it is. Um, something that I haven't talked about yet, and something about Sanguinius that we do need to bring up. Uh, like, if you listen to our last episode, we actually talked about Conrad Kurz having a a psychic link to where he could, you know, he he had some some psychic ability inside of him. Well, well, Sanguinius had that same psychic ability, except it wasn't as dangerous as Kurz's was. It wasn't constantly flashing in his head and like letting you know that, you know. Hey, you're gonna die soon, kid. So, uh, Sanguinius's didn't drive him crazy. Uh, so, as soon as the Emperor was there on the planet, and as soon as uh, he was within range of that psychic link, Sanguinius felt him, walked through the crowd up to him, and immediately knelt down and pledged his allegiance to what he immediately knew was his father. And so, I mean, just out the gate, he was. Uh, no fuss. No fuss. So, Emperor gives him the Ninth Legion. He takes all of his uh, Ballites, goes ahead and creates some of his Legion from his Ballites. Uh, they give their, the Emperor's, the, uh, I'm sorry, the they give Sanguinius's Gene Seed to the Legion he's given, which are the Blood Angels. Um, first battle that Sanguinius is a part of, he kills a Cockerabundus, because I don't know remember what it's called. It's basically a saber-toothed beast. And that's actually what get, he gets the uh, the mantle that he wears, which is that beautiful, beautiful a white carnadon. mantle. It's a carnadon. Cacardabundus. So. <laughs> so, um, so Sanguinius 
uh, was basically everything that you would want inside of a Primark. Uh, when we talk about all the other Primarks, we usually talk about all of their strengths where, you know, some are more uh, reasonable than others. Some are strong. Some are hefty in battle. Some are tactical geniuses. Uh, if there was ever a really well-rounded Primark, that would be Sanguinius. I, I think Sanguinius probably emulated the Emperor more than all of his brothers. Uh, he was as close to perfection as you can get, and all the other Primarchs were well aware of that. He just had these fucking wings. He was kind of, you know, kind of fucked up there. So uh, he was great well, at battle. And, and like the Emperor, he was seen as otherworldly, so he didn't, like, he was inspiring to people, but he didn't relate to people very well. That makes sense. Exactly. A hundred percent. And um, as far as relationships goes, he had relationships with all of his brothers. So all the other Primarchs he had a good relationship with. There really wasn't any Primarch that didn't like him. Uh, however, he did have the strongest relationship with his brother Horus. Um, now, there, there is there is reason why. We'll actually go over that in a second. Um, and, but he did have good relationships with all of his brothers. Um, so with Sanguinius's gene seed, there was a problem. Okay. And this is actually one of the biggest reasons why he has such a strong bond with Horus. Uh, so on the, what was that planet on the planet Melanor, Melanor, right? Where Horus, where Horus caught Sanguinius murdering one of his legionnaires, killing one of his legionnaires. Yeah. Because that's so, where they fight the weird, like, cloud people things. It's Melchior. Melchior. Mel Melchior. The Melchior. Nephilim. Yeah. No, no, no. Not the, not the Nephilim. Fucking... Not yet. No? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I thought that was when... The... No, no, you're right. You're right. It is a Nephilim. Yeah, you're right. Because he sent him back. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yeah. So, anyway, on Melchior, uh, Horus actually finds Sanguinius killing one of his legionnaires, which is insane when you think about it. Because this is one of your sons. It's like seeing somebody murdering one of their sons. Horus sees this goes going down, and he's like, whoa, brother, what are you doing? Like, why are you killing one of your sons? And Sanguinius has his to tell His toe is him, longer! His toe is <laughs> he's, a, he's not PR. His belly button was an Audi! Yes. <laughs> he's got it, yeah. So anyway, Sanguinius has to tell Horus that, unfortunately, his gene seed that he's been giving all of his sons. If you don't understand how space Marines work, each one of the space Marines has a gene seed of their prime arc, which gives them certain abilities from their prime arc. It kind of gives them their traits of their prime arc. And unfortunately somehow Sanguinius, it, it, he, there's a bloodthirst inside Sanguinius that he holds back. And so Sanguinius always has this like bloodthirst inside of him. And all of his sons also have that bloodthirst. And whenever he loses one of his sons to this red thirst, he the, the basically the apothecaries at this point ha are able to identify that these sons have like gone into bloodlust mode, and they tell Sanguinius, and Sanguinius comes out there personally and kills him, chops him up, you know, dead. Not today, son. Murders him. So by this time, uh, Horace is like, "Hey, man, why have you told the emperor?" to get some help to get that fixed. And Sanguinius tells him, uh, because, you know, like, I don't want my sons to be purged. Sanguinius is afraid that he was going to get two, in or, two or 11 legion, like, purged out of the memory and existence. So he doesn't want the emperor to know because he's overprotective of his son, so he'll just deal with it. And 
Horus makes. And the it doesn't commitment. happen that often. It's very yeah. rare. It's very rare that they go into red thirst mode, uh, and like which is this crazy bloodthirst mode, just like clips on. So uh, Horus promises Sanguinius. He says, "We will find a way to cure this. We will find a way to fix this." And makes a commitment to him. He says, I will not tell the emperor, uh, but I will dedicate everything I can to get this fixed for you, brother. And so that commitment from Horus was like one of the most unifying things that could ever happen to Sanguinius. Like Sanguinius loved his brother for that. Of course, Horus held the secret for him, but it was uh, pretty brutal because he eventually he does use that secret against him. So... Fast forward to the heresy itself. Uh, so we talk about Horus heresy. Uh, by this point, you should understand that Horus does betray the emperor, and he does end up turning against the emperor and starts, you know, basically becomes corrupted by the chaos gods. So before he becomes fully known that he's become a heretic, and before it's fully known that he has gone against the emperor, uh, he actually sends Sanguinius back to the Cygnus system to go fight the Nephilim. He tells him, the Nephilim are there, we need you to go fight them. And Sanguinius goes, okay, I'll do what my brother says because I trust my brother. He's the war master, I'll do whatever he wants. And so he takes his legion uh, to the Cygnus system. All right, this is where shit gets a little wild. So Sanguinius gets to the Cygnus system, and as soon as he gets there, immediately all of his ships are rocked by this psychic backlash, okay? Obviously, this was a trap. Sanguinius trusts his brother, so he did not believe it was his brother's fault that this was happening, but immediately all of his ships get hit with this psychic backlash. It kills all of his uh, astropaths. It kills all the psychers on board, like all of his uh, human psychers, and basically makes everybody else on his ship go crazy. And so, unfortunately, the Blood Angels have to go through and they have to murder all the crew on on board so uh during this and after this they actually go down to the cygnus the planet they go down to the planet and on the planet the entire planet has been completely corrupted uh by a slanesh guy a slanesh demon called kairos uh and he's actually inside this cathedral this what's called the cathedral of the mark okay so if you imagine this entire planet completely overrun with cultists, this whole fucking system is just completely overrun. I think it's like seven worlds or something like that on the system with moons. And so they have to go purge everything. And so it's just a meat grinder because it's not so much that it's, you know, they're fighting Marines on Marines. This is just straight up militia and cult hordes getting slayed and murdered out uh, by, by blood angels. Well, then these blood angels, they start fighting demon hordes and they start fighting different, you know, demonic beasts. And they're just meat grinding their way towards the Cathedral of the Mark. And by the time they do get to the Cathedral of the Mark, um, Sanguinius gets, he meets up and gets attacked by a bloodthirster uh, that goes by the name of... Cabanda. Cabanda. So yeah. powerful Cabanda. It's, it's Cabanda, Eric Eric Cabanda. Panda. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Cabanda. So Cabanda, this humongous bloodthirster, shows up uh, to fight Sanguinius. And unfortunately, this bloodthirster, I 
is one of the most powerful bloodthirsters you'd find and actually pretty much he does kind of beat the shit out of sanguinius uh, sanguinius gets the upper hand cuts his chest open with his sword and during this process uh uh cabanda actually uses his whip to wrap around sanguinius's legs and ends up breaking both of his primark legs which is a pretty fucking big deal because it's hard to break anything on a primark and so cabanda strong as whip breaks Poor little Sanguinius's legs. And keep in mind, during this entire time, Cabanda has revealed to Sanguinius that Horus has laid this entire trap out for him. So Cabanda, getting in his head a little bit, lets him know, like, hey, your brother did this to you. We're here for this and that, you know. So, you know, Sanguinius, refusing to believe this happened, uh, ends up, you know, letting his guard down, gets his legs broken. And in the process... Uh, with his broken legs, Cabanda leaves and goes and immediately just murders 500 blood angels just out the gate. Just like it's a, it's a, it just sw- just making these giant, giant moves with his axe and just murdering 500 blood angels at the time. And all the psychic backlash from all these dead blood angels actually causes Sanguinius. He feels all of his sons dying and it knocks him out. It puts him into this like psychic coma. And so Sanguinius goes down. His blood angels, his sons are dead, and it, it takes his librarians to psychically get together and bring him out of this coma. And if you don't know, guys, librarians don't always get the best end of the stick on during the Horus Heresy, uh, but librarians play a huge deal in the Blood Angels Legion. And so his librarians get together, they wake him up out of his coma, it reinvigorates him, and he banishes Kabanda back to the netherworld or nether realm or warp whatever immaterium immaterium so Kabanda gets sent back they get to the cathedral of the mark and they meet up with <clears throat> kairos who is this you know evil evil celestial demon and kairos has this thing called the rage fire so let's go ahead i'm just going to give you some background story on how the rage fire was made so the rage fire now on murder there was a blood angel called tagas okay and tagas went lost on murder and he was lost and everything like that and fabius bile got a hold of him now fabius bile was doing all these creepy ass experiments on poor little tagas and erebus finds out that fabius bile has this poor little blood angel and so (laughs) fabius I'm sorry, Erebus says, hey, man, I have this demon called the Red Angel that I want to put inside Tagas, and basically that makes what's called the Rage Fire. And so it's got this hosted, like, basically Tagas doesn't actually know what's going on because he's in this, like, vegetative state, but they're hosting a demon inside of him that they call the Rage Fire, and they say, like, okay, we're going to go ahead and use this, and we're going to use the knowledge that sanguinius has all of these sons that have a genetic like backlash they have all these all of his sons have the red thirst because horus has given this information up basically horus told sanguinius his secret and so they send the rage fire down to kairos and so when sanguinius it's time when it's time for sanguinius to actually confront kairos uh he gives him the option to become the red angel so he says listen this is what I can do. Uh, I can, 
I can fix all the red thirst inside your legion, but all you have to do is let this demon take over your body and become the blood, the red angel. And Sanguinius loves his legion so much, he's like, yeah, I'll do that. All right, that's fair. And keep in mind, guys, uh, when Sanguinius went down and when Sanguinius got knocked the fuck out, it immediately sent all of his legion into red thirst mode. Like, all of them that were on the planet are just going around murdering everything right now. The the backlash from that, it's just they're all red thirsting outside the walls. They're killing everything. And when he wakes up, you know, he banished... Uh, he, he banished Kabanda, goes into Kairos, and everybody's all crazy outside. And he's like, I got to fix my boys. I got to get this done. Everything like that. And so right as Sanguinius is about to accept the rage fire and become the Red Angel, uh, Miros, one of his librarians, actually takes his place without even giving Sanguinius the option. He's like, you know what? No, I love my Primarch so much. And Miros becomes the Red Angel. And so this demon takes over the Red Angel and Sanguinius banishes Kairos. You know, it's just, it's not worth talking about, but Miros is the true MVP of that entire story. So he ends up uh, he ends up taking the hit for his whole legion and becomes eternally tortured, uh, which that whole Red Angel story is actually really fucking cool because, uh, because uh, Angron is the Red Angel as well. I don't know if you've ever, you know, yeah. Angron used to call himself the Red Angel. And when they're on the ship, they're like, you <clears> know, uh, Fabius Ball's like talking to the Red Angel. He's like, hey, man, uh, I wouldn't call yourself the Red Angel because that's Angron's name. He'll get kind of pissed off. You don't want to piss him off. And then uh, the Red Angel, you know, is like, if Angron wants the title, he'll have to fight me for it. Like, it's <laughs> like he's got to earn it. <laughs> it's like, oh, this dude's wild. <laughs> so, anyway. So... Uh, so by this point, Sanguinius is, uh, pretty fucking pissed off at Horus because he kind of realizes that he was not only duped into, you know, he got, <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was duped and sent to Cygnus system. Uh, he had his boys killed for no reason. Uh, Sanguinius basically had his biggest secret told to some chaos demons and they used it against him, and he's just hating on Horus, and he vowed to just, like, murder Horus, like, get it all done. It's a pretty raw deal. Yeah. So Sanguinius goes to Macridge, right? And because he can't make it to Terra, he knows that, you know, it's all going to... To Mac... McCrag, I'm sorry. Uh, he makes his way... What the fuck? <laughs> sorry. I'd sorry. like some Macridge and cheese, sir. <laughs> what? <laughs> some Macridge and cheese. <laughs> so he goes to Macrobundus and <laughs> meets up with Guillemin there. So this is where the whole uh, the whole Imperium Secundus timeline comes in. Uh, Ryan, do you want to take over from here? This is kind of where we already did this. We did it last time. Just go back and listen new, to the night. These are episode. new listeners. These are new listeners, man. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Sanguinus shows up. And Gilliman really wants to be in charge, like, deep down. He's like, oh, I really want to be in charge, but I can't just proclaim myself emperor because then I look like a dirty scumbag. So uh, I, I was going to have to do it with the lion, even though I fucking hate the lion because the lion's a shithead. But now Sanguinius showed up. Yay! So now I can make Sanguinius the emperor, and I don't have to make the shithead lion the emperor. And, you know, there was much rejoicing, even though Gilliman deep down really wanted to be the emperor. So anyway... He proclaims uh, Sanguinius the 
new emperor of his little kingdom because they think the emperor could be dead and they want to preserve, you know, what they can of the rewards that was given through the great crusade and, you know, all, all that mankind has achieved. So Sanguinius doesn't really want to do it because now he's like bound to this throne room, essentially listening to a bunch of whiny pricks that bring dusty ass scrolls up there and has to issue proclamations and all that silly shit you see in movies with Lords and ladies and game of Thrones and all that. And he's not really into that. So <laughs> he, he decides to create a herald, which is uh, basically what ends up becoming Sanguinor in 40K. So if you're familiar with that, um, he creates this herald guy that basically speaks for him, that they erase that person's identity. Um, and there's a short story about it that we looked it up. Uh, what's it's that called short story called? Herald of Sanguinous. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to know more about that, check that out. So that that happens. Um, while Kurz is running amok, uh <laughs> loose on McCrag, he breaks into the throne room to try to kill Sanguinius, and they fight to a stalemate, because they can both see into the future, so neither one can strike a true blow. Um, Because Sanguinius knows that he's not fated to die there, and so is Kurz, and they can, like, each see each other's, like, future strikes, so they just literally fight like madmen to a stalemate, and then Kurz finally like realizes this and they kind of quit fighting and then Sanguinius feels bad for Kurz and they like kind of share some kind words and have a little talk and then Kurz leaves of his own accord and then everybody's mad that you know Kurz got away uh trying to think what else um I mean that's pretty much it then they have the trial where they find where the lion catches Kurz and Sanguinius is part of the trial we talked about that on the Night Lords episode uh, and trying to think what else. So they decide that Imperium Secundus is basically a bad idea after that, um, and they decide that they want to uh, break through the Warp Storm and try to make it back from Terra. So this is in the book, The uh, Ruin Storm, and I'm not going to get into all that. It's one of the newer books, so I don't really want to give spoilers, but if you want to, I mean, obviously we know if you know anything about the heresy, you know that the Blood Angels are one of the th- one of the two major legions that took. Uh, there was three legions there, but the uh, the two main ones were the Imperial Fist and the Blood Angels. So you know that they make it back. There's lots of uh, famous stories about you know Sanguinius at the Battle for Terra. Uh, so the book, the Rune Storm, explains how they basically make it through uh, the Rune Storm. So yeah, so they make it through the ruin storm, get to Terra, and it's the Blood Angels' job to hold the Eternity Gate, which they do gloriously. So they they hold the Eternity Gate. Cabana comes back. Cabana shows back up to beat the shit out of uh, Sanguinius. Hang on, hang on. You got you got to do the whole. You got to do this man justice. He's my favorite primer. So when they were gonna fall back for the last time, Sanguinius holds the gate by himself while everybody falls back. And he holds it for a day. So for 24 <laughs> hours, he fights the entire like traitor force by himself, stand, wedged himself in between the gate, and whipped all comers, like just killed everybody that got anywhere near that fucking gate. <laughs> all comers. And then just fucking took them on, killed them all. And then 
when he was about when he everybody went through, he was going to be the last one through the gate. And when he started to turn to go through the gate and in his weakened state, because he'd been fighting for 24 hours straight and it held this gate by himself, then the piece of shit, cowardly uh, bloodthirster attacked him. So then continue your story. So Cabana attacks. Tired, tired Sanguinius. And like, I can only stress enough how tired Sanguinius is. Um, and Sanguinius gets the upper hand. And Sanguinius, like, WWE style, like, <laughs> breaks his back over his knee. Like, just as rock hard. Like, like, I wonder where he learned that one. Yeah. He totally picks Bane him up style. and flies into the air because he has wings. He flies into the air and then drops out of the sky and uses the momentum of dropping out of the sky and slamming into the ground to snap the bloodthirster over his knee. Yep. Bane style. Like Bane did to Batman, except Sanguinius did to a bloodthirster. And as soon as he did that, he breaks his back, falls back, and the gates slam shut, and he's inside. Still tired, by the way. So by this time, you know, he's not really healed. He's not really got his composure back. The Emperor's like, hey, guys, I have this plan. We'll teleport on to Horus's, uh, Horus's ship. The Vengeful Spirit. The Vengeful Spirit. And we will go ahead and, like... Jump the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, we'll all jump the shit out of him. So it's like him, uh, <laughs> him, Rogaldorn, and Sanguinius, and a bunch of Rogaldorn's bodyguard and custodes, and they're all like... And the left, what's left of the custodes. And what's left of the custodes. And so they end up teleporting to Horus's ship, and somehow in this weird process, almost like it was scripted, they're scattered all over the ship. You know, Rogaldorn's the far back of the ship, uh, the Emperor's somewhere in the ship, and unfortunately, Sanguinius is like, like the perfection he is, shows up in front of Horus, like, brother. And Sanguinius, being the uh, loving brother he is, still continues to try and talk some sense into Horus before he ends up eventually fighting Horus. Horus is having none of that. And although, you know, there's a lot of conjecture that uh, Sanguinius could have murdered Horus because Sanguinius just got done holding a gate for a full fucking day and breaking a bloodthirster's back. He's super tired. He's just got done teleporting. He's a little bit worn out. He didn't even get a Gatorade to refresh his electrolytes. <laughs> None of that. It's like the old style fucking UFC tournaments where you'd have the guy that would fight like three hard matches and then the guy he's supposed to fight gets fucking hurt and they'd bring in a fresh alternate who's not even fought that night. And it's like, <laughs> holy shit, this other guy just fought three times and you got him in the fourth fight in like a three-hour period. And this other guy's just been fucking jacking off in the back he's not even been doing anything that's not fair then you end up with uh what's that fucking guy's name that won like steve nelmar or whatever is like the second or third ufc fucking champion because he's some alternate dude that won <laughs> because he didn't have to fight the other guy was basically beat up so yeah horace is fresh on his uh, on his on his ship uh, Sanguinius comes in there, fights him, and gets his neck broken. Dies. Sad town. Dead. So, however, he did make a chink in Horus's armor, which some say that's what the Emperor used to end up killing Horus. So, some people do say that. But Sanguinius is dead. Um, in the process, his the psychic backlash 
kind of sent some bad stuff out to his legion. But at that point, we're getting into uh, 40k talk. Uh, it's it's kind of I mean to talk onto it now though. The psychic backlash did make all of his legion go into red thirst mode and basically kind of cleared the gates of Terra while they're in red thirst mode, just like they did on Ball. Or I'm sorry, on Cygnus. Uh, but, I mean, really there's not a whole bunch of canon or fluff to go really in-depth into that. Um, and I guess as far as for playing Blood Angels for the purposes of Horus Heresy, Sanguinius is going to be alive. So you really don't have to worry about Steve, the red thirst. Steve Jenum, by the way. Horus is the Steve Jenum of 30K. <laughs> That's his new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, guys, so that's Sanguinius. So if that gives you any idea of the Primarch, you know, and how he works and everything like that, uh, the Blood Angels themselves are, as far hey, as how they play. You also didn't, you didn't bring into the most important part. The most important part is he could see the future. So he knew he would die at the hands of Horus, but he went anyway. And the reason he did is because he knew by sacrificing himself, he would score that chink in Horus's armor and that the Emperor could use that to then defeat Horus. So he Absolutely. literally sacrificed his life knowingly, knowing that that was the only way that uh, eventual victory would happen. And he was given so many outs, the entire heresy he was given so many outs that he could, you know, not have to do that, but he did anyway. That's how much he loved the emperor. So that's why if they bring him back in 40 K it's the dumbest fucking thing ever. Cause it totally defeats the purpose of that super cool story and gets rid of all the cool things about Sanguinius as a character and makes his sacrifice worth nothing. <laughs> okay, but what if he's pissed that he's back? So <clears throat> reasons. He's not coming back. We don't even have to talk about this because he's not. <laughs> there's, there's no way. So, anyway. So that's just Sanguinius. That gives you an idea of how the Blood Angels actually... Uh, who their Primarch was. And really I would say whenever you actually look at the uh, blood angels themselves and anytime we actually discuss, I, I, I've noticed that whenever we talk about these, these legions, we always pretty much just touch base on the Primarch. And when you touch base on a Primarch, you have to imagine it's like a father and his sons and his legions like his son. So his legion actually uh, really look <clears throat> up to Sanguinius and they follow a lot of his, uh, the aspects of the way he acts and the, you know, they, they are taught by him, but they have a duality of personality, almost like a yin and a yang. And there's actually certain sons like Amit that take on the characteristics of more of the dark side of Sanguinius bordering on the red thirst. And then other ones like Ascalon, uh, are more into the, like, like you're saying the, the noble side, the, uh, the more angelic side. I guess. And there's another cool story about that that we looked up called, what, Sons of the Father? Uh, that one is... It's called The Vengeful Sons, I believe. Yeah. Vengeful Sons. Okay. Virtues of the Sons. So that's a sh Virtue of the Sons. There you go. So you guys can check that story out. that's in the Death and Defiance out. anthology. Yeah, it's a good story. So... If you're playing Blood Angels, guys, keep in mind, and the biggest thing to look at is imagine a completely bloodthirsty space marine that wants to rip everything out but completely subdues that bloodthirst 
every day of their life. Because <laughs> that's what Sanguinius had to go through. So like all a, time. a space marine retail worker. Yeah. <laughs> like like he's like a postal worker. <laughs> well, and in their day-to-day lives, they practice many forms of art. They, like a lot of people think that they're like stuck up and like uh, elitist and stuff because they uh, make really, they like all their armor has like beautiful artisan shit on it and all this stuff, but they really use that as like a, uh, an outlet for their energy to something to focus on almost like a meditation thing. Um, and they're actually very, very humble because they know that they could, uh, flip out into this red thirst at any time. So they, it gives them, uh, a grounding point. Like they know that they're flawed. Um, but they they basically try to you know work on that or whatever. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm just painting so I don't murder everybody on this ship. <laughs> so let me finish my goddamn quilt for this dreadnought. <laughs> this is a dreadnought and a quilt. <laughs> and craft brother, hour. It is quite warm. <laughs> this is a warm quilt, brother. <laughs> Giant ass quilt. Uh. So, anyway, that's some of the fluff, guys. Uh, that's some of the background on things like that. Uh, if you're looking for books to read, uh, what is it? Fear to Tread is a great one. That actually goes into the rage fire and things like that. Um, the book Ryan was talking about, Herald of Sanguinor, uh, the Herald of Sanguinus, where it talks about the Sanguinor. It's a very short story. I believe it's an audio drama, actually. Uh, that one is incredible because it kind of lets you know what the sanguinor has to sacrifice because he doesn't actually uh go into any like nobody knows who it is except for the people that were it's it's two legionnaires and the two legionnaires go into fight and the uh what's two one comes out don't don't ruin it don't ruin it just let them it's a fucking short audio drama if they want to hear it let them hear it it's pretty awesome guys you actually hear what goes in the background of the sanguinor and then Ruin Storm. Ruin Storm is the latest one. I wasn't a fan of the book, but it does have some Blood Angel fluff in there. Um, and then there's some other. If you read through Gav Thor, is is it Gavthorpe's latest book, the one with the lion in it? That one has some sanguinous parts in it too. I think that's Gav's latest book. I'm not sure. It was the it was the last one in the Dark Angel. It was the last Dark Angel book, which it focuses on the Dark Angels that Gav wrote. Gav the Thor. Angels of Caliban. Angel of Caliban. Yeah, maybe is that's that if that's the latest. Where uh, the lion fights Kurs. Yeah, that Sanguinius is in that a little bit too. Yeah, that's where Sanguinius and Kurs face off. Yeah. Just some ideas on where to actually read up on this stuff. Um, I mean, in the as well, man. For out in, in book six, retribution. There's actually which you're gonna need for this, guys, uh, to actually play them. In book six, retribution, they actually go past some planets that have blood angels on them, and during the uh, what we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in a minute, because uh, is that the Eben Drake where they pick up those blood angels who just want to get out there and fight? They go to actual ball. Yeah, they go to ball, and they pick up some blood angels who are forced to sit back. So, but 
anyway, speaking of books and speaking of book six and things like that. So in order to pay Blade Blood Angels and in order to actually get the Blood Angels uh, full rules and everything like that, you're going to need a few things. So you're going to need the Horus Heresy rule book, which that's going to be Horus Heresy version one rule book. So you can just learn how to play in the first place. Uh, you're going to need the Legion of Stardays. Uh, actual Age of Darkness, Age of Darkness <laughs> rulebook, which is going to have all the units inside of it. Uh, now, there's going to be another book that you you do not need. It's the second red book that actually has all the legions inside of it. The Blood Angels are not in there. Uh, so right now, if you want to play Blood Angels, you're going to need Book Six Retribution. Uh, so that's going to have all the Blood Angels rules in it. So you'll need three books to get your game on the road. So, which Book Six uh, may seem like you're kind of getting the shaft because you're spending a little bit more money, but in reality, book six is full of a shit ton of fluff and things like that and cool things. It, to it has black in. shields in it. It's got shattered legions in it. It was where all the new rights of war originally came out. Um, it's got, it's got new mechanic units in it. White scars. It's got dark white angels scars. in it. It's got white scars in it. It's a, it's a really good book. Knights yeah. errant. 100%. So those are going to be the books you need guys. Um, let's go ahead and talk about some special rules that Blood Angels have. So if you have that book six in front of you, you'll find this on page 258. Uh, so first things first, Blood Angels have Legion of Astardes because they're Space Marines. Uh, units with this special rule may always attempt to regroup at the normal leadership value regardless of casualties. That's going to be all Space Marines got that. So good for them. Uh... Blood Angels also have in Carmen Fury, uh, when fighting an assault and using a melee-type weapon, any model with the Legion of Stardust Blood Angel special rule requires one lower result to wound than they would normally, to a minimum of 2+. This effect replies regardless of the weapon they are using. For example, if using a Strength 4 melee weapon and attacking a target with toughness of 4, Blood Angels require 3+, to wound rather than the normal 4+. That one's a doozy. Yeah, that one is a doozy. So if so. you guys remember, this is basically half of the Night Lords rule because the Night Lords get it on to hit and to wound, but the Night Lords only get it if they outnumber. The Blood Angels get it 100% of the time, but it's only on the to wound. So it depends. Like I feel like they're fairly equivalent. The Blood Angel one you're going to get regardless, even if you only have a single guy. So it's obviously easier to achieve, but it's slightly weaker than the Night Lords one if the Night Lords get it theirs to go off. Also, they were smart enough for this one to put in minimum of 2-plus for wounding, where the Night Lords one, they weren't. So, it causes confusion. This one, there's no gray area. Yeah, so I did have one question about this, looking it up for uh, uh, for the Escalation League. Uh, so, melee-type weapon. Pistols do count, correct? Because a pistol counts as a close combat weapon, which is a melee-type weapon. Yeah. Well, why... But you have to have another weapon to get the bonus, so you would just use the other weapon. Well, no, uh, when fighting an assault and using a melee-type weapon. I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. but you're going to always have a close combat weapon. Every model in the game has a close combat weapon. Okay. So yeah, you'll never, why you'll would never you not just say you Yeah, you okay. don't actually fight with the pistol. You get a bonus attack for having a pistol, but you're still fighting with a melee weapon. Okay. That, I just didn't know if there was like a marine that came with like a bolter and not a pistol and just didn't have a close combat weapon that I was super I wasn't super sure about it didn't come up but that was just one thing that was in the back of my mind oh, that's a good question 
What if you have like a plasma squad? None of them have melee weapons. Do they have pistols? They have bolt pistols, but I believe it says when fighting in an assault, all models count as of having, like in the rule book, you're always counted as, as having, having like your base close combat weapon of strength as user AP none. Right. So just punching, you're still going to get the ability. Okay. Fist become the melee type weapon. Huh. Yeah. It just seems like a weird thing to throw into that rule that they have to be using a melee type weapon in an assault. Unless a grenade, I, I guess a grenade wouldn't count. Is like the only thing that wouldn't count, or would it count? Is Why would it? It, melee it would. Weapon? It has a me- it has a melee profile, then it would count. It actually has a profile that says melee, with a profile. So yes. So even using crack grenades on a monstrous creature, you still get the bonus. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering if that ever came up of a model not having a melee type weapon, but it sounds like it doesn't. And even if even if that is an actual thing that can happen, it's not something's going to happen often I gotcha anyway I endeavor to ask one stupid question every legion episode so there we go out the gate you always you always have a melee profile there's not unless you're a vehicle and vehicles don't have legion of sturdy so okay cool moving on all right so the next rule is without remorse without relent Models with the Legion Stardust Blood Angel special rule must always make sweeping advances if they're able to and may not voluntarily go to ground. Uh, that's a, I mean, It's not catastrophic on that one. Making sweeping advances is going to be nice. Uh, the whole may not voluntarily go to ground, it is something to remember pretty often because if you're ever in that last turn of the game and you've just got to hold that objective, not being able to go to ground can bite you in the ass sometimes. Uh, but it's not something that's going to ruin your day for you. So, Blood Angels. Still got three up save. So. Uh, the next rule they have is Host of Angels. With the exception of dedicated transports, a Blood Angels attachment may not have more units with the vehicle type than it has units with the Legion of Stardust Blood Angel special rule. Uh, note that because of this, certain rights of war may be unavailable to Blood Angels armies. So this is a, a doozy. Uh, so this could affect some rights of war that you take. Uh, and keeping an idea of what has the Legion of Zardes Blood Angels uh, is something that you have to always maintain when you're creating your army list. Uh, now, if you are creating army lists, just remember uh, single model units like apothecaries and things like that. Uh, that I mean, the, those are even though they are joined up to tactical squads, that is two separate Legion of Zardes units. Uh, no, no, they're not. Apothecaries are not, because they during they they become part of the unit that they join and can never. They're literally part of the unit. It's like a unit upgrade. Huh. Okay. So so in, so independent characters count. You're good there. So you can have three independent characters, which are single model units. And then if you really want to be a super uh, cheapskate, you can take single attack bikes for really cheap. Or tech marines. <laughs> tech marines yeah. and characters. Yeah. 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 It's a... Uh... It's something you gotta you gotta definitely keep in mind on. And the other thing you looking. need to keep in mind is it says vehicle units. So because it says units, that means if you take a squadron of vehicles, it only counts as one. So if you take three land speeder javelins... And, and put them all in a squadron, 
that's only going to count as one vehicle unit, so you can offset that with just a single unit, even though there's three javelins. The only gray area that this creates are Dreadnought Talons and Suborbital Strike Wings. Because yeah. you take them as a unit during list creation when this rule matters, but then as soon as the game starts and they're deployed, they have to deploy together, but then as soon as the actual game begins and they make move for the first time, they split into separate units. So who knows how that's supposed to work? I mean, it's it's after the game has begun, well well after the army creation phase. Um, and we've gotten emails from Forge World, whatever that means, because if you email them enough times, you'll get both answers. Um, yeah, I've seen but, both answers for that as well. Yeah, it made it made a really big deal for me whenever I was playing. Uh, and I still have my Fury of the Ancients Blood Angels, which is a bunch of dreadnoughts. And uh, luckily for me, most events will, will clarify what they want to do. So they'll either use the RFI, Eye of Horus FAQ, or the Ring and Heresy FAQ. And it's it, what just if you're going to an event and you're not sure, just make sure you check with the event organizer how they're going to run it so you don't kind of run into those problems. So, especially if you're running Dreadnought Talons or. <clears throat> or some suborbital strike wings. So, uh, so that's going to be it for their special rules, guys. That's going to be what they get. Uh, some pretty powerful special rules, very special uh, to them. Um, next thing we're going to talk about is going to be what special war gear the Blood Angels get. So, uh, first things first, uh, any model with Allegiant Stardust Blood Angel Special Rule with access to a Volkite Serpenta as part of their War Gear option may instead take a Hand Flamer for 15 points. So that's something special to Blood Angels. That's uh, Instead of that sweet, sweet Volkite Serpenta, they can take a Hand Flamer, which is a Strength 3 template weapon AP6 pistol. So <laughs> it's like a little baby flamer. Should be a, should be a 5 point upgrade. <laughs> but it is a 15-point upgrade. Um, any model with the Legion Stardust Blood Angel Special Rule with access to a Plasma Pistol as part of their War Gear options may instead take an Inferno Pistol for 15 points. Uh, so if you're not sure what an Inferno Pistol is, an Inferno Pistol is basically a super short-range Melta Gun. So it's Range 6, Strength 8, AP1, Pistol, Melta. So if you want to get that sweet, sweet Melta action off, you got to be within 3 inches to make it work. So it makes a it makes a extremely hilarious Moritat. A super super deadly Moritat who can get twelve melta shots off if you deep strike him perfectly. Possible. Yeah, 12. I mean it's not it's not as powerful as people think because you can only you can only be one inch away. You have to be at least one inch away from enemy models, which gives him a five inch kill bubble. So it's not you know what I mean, like even though you're shooting twelve melta shots if your opponent like has a unit and spreads them out right, you're still only going to kill, you know, a couple. Unless, very... like you said, you just deploy absolutely perfectly. Yeah, man, you hope for that hit marker, <laughs> that perfect hit marker on the scatter <laughs> dice. You go in balls deep and do what you got to do. Yeah. So next thing is. Any Praetor, Centurion, or Consul with a Legion Stardust Blood Angel Special Rule with access to a Power Fist as part of their War Gear option may instead take a Blade of Perdition for plus 20 points. 
Woo, that blade of perdition you're is... You're going to want that blade of perdition. You're going to want that blade of perdition. Uh, strength as user, AP2, melee mastercrafted two-handed with the death fire special rule, which every wound caused by the weapon is doubled to two wounds. Roll to save against each wound separately. So this thing is just like fucking a lightsaber when, <laughs> when you start factoring things in. So this thing, rules is written, if you if you hit someone and do a wound, it doubles to two. So you could do a single wound to a unit, but kill two models, if they're single wound models, if that makes sense. So if, you, yep, if, I, yeah. if I hit and wound a unit four times, I could possibly kill eight models, so on and so forth. Supposedly, uh, when he was when he was still with us, Alan Bly said that this was not intended to be that way, even though it's written that way. So I have a feeling that uh, when this thing gets a uh, another look at it, for one, it's going to go up in points. Let's be real here. And two, um, it's likely to change to uh, you make a save, and if the save is failed then the model that failed the save takes the two wounds as opposed to one. Which would make sense. Yeah. Which is how it supposedly was intended to begin with. That's how I've been playing. I used to play it the old way, and then ever since we did the Eye of Horus uh, RFI FAQ, I've been playing it the other way. It's not made much of a difference for me. Like, it's still good. Um, I definitely think it needs... Uh, a points bump if for no other reason like here's the thing if you take mastercrafted off of it it's basically about the same as a paragon blade it's different but it performs about the same it's one lower strength um and but it's two-handed so you can get a bonus attack because the the paragon blades specialist but you can still take a power fist or something to get another attack out of it so you can get more potential attacks out of a Paragon Blade, and the Paragon Blade's one higher strength, the advantage of the Blade of Perdition is that it's Mastercrafted for free um, and has that double wound ability. And but it's wielded you gotta by look, Mas- only Blood Angels who always get plus one to wound. So it's kind of like being plus one strength all the time. No, because if a Blood Angel takes a fucking Blade of Perdition... Or not? Or sorry, if a blood angel takes a paragon blade, then they're plus one strength and get plus one to wound. So you're oh, yeah. still you're right. You're right. So that I'm comparing it to in the hands of a blood angel. So really, what makes it so cheap? Like why it's too cheap is the mastercrafted, because you figure that's fifteen points on its own. So this thing should probably be twenty points without mastercrafted, and then when you add the mastercrafted in, it should probably be thirty-five. So if it was repointed to 35 points and did two wounds after a failed save as opposed to doing two wounds that each have to be saved individual where if you inflicted four wounds you're still only going to kill four models basically at most you're not going to double you know kill eight even though you've only done four wounds then it would be fair people wouldn't bitch about it I don't think Yeah you're right Still do work. Even though on, so. all all the fucking crying about it kills me because people get mad. You charge their tactical squad, you do four wounds and kill eight tactical marines, and they throw a fucking fit. And I'm like, you do realize if this guy had a paragon blade, I'd kill four or five guys. You'd swing back with your four attacks and do fuck all, and then break, and I'd sweep you anyway. So we're getting the same <laughs> result. Like, it's not really, 
<laughs> it's, I don't know. I mean, every once in a while, it does make a difference, but it's not as much rage as there is about it. It doesn't like it's like if this was a Paragon Blade instead of this, we're gonna get the same result. I hate to tell you, ninety yeah. percent of the time, it's the same result. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the saltiness comes from all of the Blades of Perdition that get squeezed into Blood Angels armies. I think that's where some of the saltiness comes in because people. Make I've giant... never ran more than one in a list. I, I just run a Praetor and give him a Blade of Perdition. Um, I've never ran more than one in a list. Yeah, we see uh, down here. We've seen Death Stars of super jump units with three blades. Three. It's just, it's, it's dumb. It's so much work. So. Yeah, but like I said, we've talked about this in the White Scar. You can do that with the White Scar spear thing on fucking sergeants and everything. You know, you can put a sergeant, an apothecary, and fucking three characters and have a, par- a couple paragon blades and like four of those fucking spears in a unit. It's no better. Death Star City. But, yeah, it's a good weapon. It's powerful. You're If you're just looking at Blood Angels right now, uh, start figuring out how to model one because... You're going to use it. The Sanguinary Guard Sword for uh, the 40k Sanguinary Guard Kit is pretty cool. That's what I use for mine. It's like a two and a half times length power sword with a really cool hilt. Hell yeah, and it's two-handed. And it's two-handed. And you can get it from Mark IV Arms. Ooh, boy. Yeah. So, next thing up on the list, which actually makes for some cool conversion ideas once you start really thinking about it, is the prototype weapon, the Elastis, Iliastis Pattern Assault Cannon. Uh, so any Blood Angels model, including vehicles, equipped with heavy flamers may exchange them for an Elastis Pattern Assault Cannon for plus five points each. Legion Predator tanks may also exchange their Predator Cannon with twin-linked Iliastis Pattern Assault Cannons for free. Free? Uh, so... These Iliasis Pattern Assault Cannons are 24-inch range, strength 6, AP 4, heavy 4, rending with the malfunction special rule, which means when rolling to hit with this weapon, the th- if three or more results of one are rolled, the Assault Cannon malfunctions and may not be used again f- in the game. Make note of this for your army list or otherwise mark that is the case. So, like I said, uh, pretty much everything that comes out that you can take, because it says Blood Angels Army, there's no restriction on knees legions to start is or anything like that so every I, I guarantee every new unit that comes out i know that we saw this coming up for the uh uh the new drill coming out we saw termite. that it had the termite had uh, heavy flamers on it people are already talking about putting assault cannons on it uh it's fun they're not super game breaking they're just it's just fun to see what well all put assault cannons here's on. the here's the thing with it when it first came out everybody was having a you know even us, we were like blown away and we started throwing them on everything. We quickly found that there's maybe like three units that it's an actual like upgrade Doom on. For, yeah. Um, we've, we've pretty much taken them off of every, like every dreadnought that Michael had used to have assault cannons and now they're all melted guns or graviton guns. Yep. Um, I used to have them on all my predator sponsons and now I've stripped them all off and replaced them with last cannons because the last cannons is better, even though it's five points forward, it's better. So, um, the only the units that I could, is just not there. The, the, the only unit that I really like it on a lot, like really, really like it on are, uh, attack bikes. Um, and it's okay on javelins. I like it on javelins because they outflank 
Um, but if you had to put a multi melt on there, it's it's still better. good. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's better. It's just situation. Like it depends on what your target is. Like if you come in and you're shooting at the back of somebody's Scorpius or the side of it, you probably want the multi melta more than the assault cannon. But it it's it's situational. Like shooting, and if it just really depends. Yeah, um, I was. Like, because uh, you're talking about putting it on extremely mobile units, and like basically, I was using my assault cannons the same way because I ran nothing but dreadnought drop pods, and so yep. I thought that if I took assault cannons, I could dual roll them <laughs> for anti infantry and anti rear armor, and so I'd put them in the positions to take out rear armor, and the consistency for taking out that rear armor was just not there, and so it just slowly started, like Ryan said, slowly started peeling off all those assault cannons off my models. I leave them on cool for the rule of cool. Like my Leviathan still got assault cannons on them, but Well, here's the thing. On the Leviathan nipple cannons, there's no there's not a better upgrade. It's better than the two guns that it can go with. So that's a like that's a unit that they should go on. Dare the attack bikes. It's cool. It's a smart choice there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only a 24-inch range and its other guns shoot 48. I mean, I'm with you. It's probably good on the Daredeo. Because all you have is heavy bolters or heavy flamers. Um, see, even on attack bikes, you have multi meltas. But the only thing that that makes it where I, I feel like it's not, uh, you wouldn't take the multi melta on every other unit that can take a multi melta um, and an assault or an assault cannon, one or the other, they're the same points cost, except on attack bikes. Because attack bikes, for whatever reason you get the heavy flamer for free because it already comes with the heavy bolter. And then you can make an assault cannon for five when a multi-melt is 10 where like on a, on a rhino, for example, you have to buy the heavy flamer for 10 and the multi-melt for 15, but then you have to pay the extra five to make the heavy flamer and assault cannon. So the assault cannon and the multi-melt is the same points. It's the same way with the, uh, the javelin, I believe in it, or maybe it is five points cheaper on the javelin. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I didn't find a whole bunch of useful, like uh, my assault cannons just never really performed for me. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's just so, there's so many models you can put it on. Like as you start breaking into the army and you start looking into it more and more, you start realizing that more and more things have heavy flamers on them. You could start putting them on, you know, Bane blades like Ryan has and just have, just multi just assault cannon city if you wanted to uh which is fun model wise and it's cool to just sneak one in there uh but it's not a total well game then you then you quickly end up with a 700 point bane blade or whatever the fuck mine was and then you realize well i could just take a warhound titan so <laughs> with like, turbo lasers yeah <laughs> and i'm over here fishing for rendings and malfunctioning on my damn assault cannons <laughs> yeah just um, burning them out one by one. So it's one of those things that you'll hear people throw a fit about, but it's really the hype is it's it's that it's just that. I like it on attack bikes, I like it on javelins, I like it on the Leviathan for nipple cannons. It's it's okay on rhinos. I don't think it's any better than the multi melta situational. Um Yeah, it's a good it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, Not game breaking. It's, it's all fun. right. So, but that's it. I mean, that's it for special war gear that they get. 
Uh, guys, right now, the Blood Angels do not have any special units. So they have nothing in their army that you can take for them only that you can't take for any other army. Um, Ryan, do you have some units you'd suggest that go really well for Blood Angels? Uh, besides, um, well, go ahead. What do you got? Um, what I like, I, I love attack bikes. We went over that. The reason is attack bikes are, uh, they're, they're three attacks base. They're two base. And then they have a, a double close combat weapon, which makes them three. Then when you charge, they're four and then blood ain't. So when you charge in they're four attacks per bike, um, and then they get their, you know, bonus on the wound. And then you can put assault cannons on there, and then you can put melt the bombs on there, and it makes them good at assaulting tanks and infantry, and they can shoot the fuck out of stuff with their assault cannons and the the combi bolter on there. They're really cool. Uh, they're one of they're like my one of my favorite Blood Angel units. Uh, anything that assaults. So uh, outriders are great. I love outriders for Blood Angels. I have I think twenty five of them or something. I got like a fucking load of. Blood Angel Outriders. I had more than that, but I made a lot of them into attack bikes. And even then, I still have over 20. So that's how many I had. Um, so, Outriders are fantastic. You can take a, a 9 or 10 man squad and get uh, four power axes in there. Because you can put a power axe on a sergeant. Then, for every three guys, you get another one. So, at nine models, you can have four power axes. Which, basically, usually wound on twos. Because they would wound on threes, and then you get the plus one to wound, so you wound on twos against most things. Um, and then the normal attacks, obviously, um, just your punching attacks, they're going to wound on uh, threes as well against normal marines. Really good. Their assault uh, marines are good for the same reason, the, the wound thing. Uh, Terminators, if you don't upgrade the grade them to power fist or chain fist. It's good. If you, if you're giving them power fist or chain fist, you usually don't benefit from the rule. They just end up performing like any other, um, terminator. Now, if you start mixing in, uh, power weapons or lightning claws, like this is a good case for a single lightning claw on a terminator is a blood angel army. Cause against most things, you're going to be wounding on a three with a reroll because they have shred. So then you start piling on, you know, a lot of wounds, so even though they're only AP three, even fighting other, I wouldn't go like a whole unit of them, but you know, maybe mix a couple in. Yeah. Um, and when we get to the right of war, it gives you another bonus, which then you really kind of want to maybe mix in some lightning claws. Um, I had a, I had this conversation with, uh, with Trevor, one of the guys in our escalation league the other day, he was talking about his emperor's children. And, uh, I was talking to him about kind of the, lightning claw conversation you had with me a while back that was you have to leverage the speed at which you can fight and basically you're wanting to remove any wounds that can get done before you have a chance to strike back so in the like in the case of power fist terminators uh if you can clear out like as many wounds as you can from normal marines before you know before the power fist get a chance to, to strike, you, you you do a good job. I guess in the case of Blood Angels, the problem you have is they're not higher initiative, so the space they are in the right will... of war. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so any way that you can find to <clears throat> up update your initiative to a faster striking unit, uh, the lightning claws you have the lightning claws there to clear out wounds to clear out normal space marine uh, space marine equivalent units 
before they have a chance to strike back and the power fists are there for anything that's terminator equivalent or anything like that uh that you know you will fight against so it's just uh clearing them out before they have a chance to attack back and that was uh yeah. that was one of the conversations i had uh this past weekend actually yeah um the leviathan i think blood angels have the best leviathan in the game uh, simply because it can take the nipple assault cannons. Like, it just gives it just a little bit. I mean, it's not like an absurd amount more firepower, but it is more. Um, I don't I don't think you can argue that they don't have the best Leviathan. No, man, I love my Leviathan. Like, uh, Phosphex and Charger, assault cannons, like, melted gun hands. You go to town with it, man. Like, you just... Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You just uh, unload every weapon you got. It's, it's really good. Uh... And just keep in mind, guys, when you're looking at a Leviathan, it's not a twin-linked heavy flamer that's on there. It's two heavy flamers. So you're getting two right. assault so, cannons on there. So nipples. it's two assault cannons and then whatever arm guns you put on it and a uh, Phosphex Discharger. So Always take the Phosphex Discharger. But, yeah, I mean, that's basically anything you're going to be assaulting with that isn't, like, already absurdly high strength where you're wounding on twos anyway. You'll definitely get that Blood Angel bonus out of it. Absolutely. So, so fantastic, yeah. Those are some uh, some slick units there. Uh, I guess we can talk about some rights of war that they have for them. <coughs> that way, Ryan can give his opinion on those. So, the first right of war that you get available to Blood Angels only is the Blood Angel Unique Right of War, the Day of Revelation. This one's pretty popular. Uh, the effects of this right of war are cometh of the host, which means jump infantry squads, which are part of this detachment, must arrive via deep strike on the first turn of the game and do not need to roll for reserves. So that is extremely powerful because that's first turn of the game, you're on the table without rolling for and that's any And that's any models with a jump pack. Yeah, any jump infantry. Right, so that's so that's so this is like a much better version of Vanguard Assault which I'm already a fan of, but Vanguard Assault is only Assault Marines in your army, um, where this is any jump infantry in your army. It's future-proofing is what yeah. it is. Yeah. So well, it's for all the destroyers you want to run. <laughs> jump it's all this powerful destroyer. Yeah, they or made this Infernal available. Pistol fucking Mortats. Yeah, <laughs> Infernal Pistol Mortat turn one. Yeah, Infernal Pistol Moratat with the jump pack could try his Blaze of Glory first turn and hope you hit a hit. A hit. <laughs> and if you do, you're... Blaring you're right. Bon Jovi over fucking iPod speakers strapped to him. Shot down in the Blaze of Glory. <laughs> God bless Scott. <laughs> He's like a... He's like a wax candle whose flame burns with the fury of a sun that melts himself. It's like, it's like it the it's most like... Like short-lived unit in the game. It's like, oh, it show up. Oh, I'm dead. Don't do it, Icarus. Like Don't a... fly so close and to that sun. It's like a bottle <laughs> And he's done his job. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, next up uh, for that for the effects of the Day of Revelation... With Fire and Thunder, all Deep Striking Squad units in the game gain a 5-plus cover save on the game turn. They arrive in play. Place a marker by the unit or otherwise note this to be the case. Hilarious with the Dreadnought Drop Pod. Yeah, because remember, guys, Dreadnought Drop Pod gives you Shrouded, so that makes that a 3-up cover save 
for anything behind the drop pod out in the open. Just and then if it's there. night fight, because you got to remember it's going to come in turn one. So if it's night fight against stealth two, so it'll be a two up cover in the open with night fight. Two up cover save to your Mortat who's burning like a small flame. Jesus. No, uh, he's not going to be in the drop pod. I'd be behind it. He can be behind. But like if you get the leaf between the no, it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so next up is the opening of the seal effect. All range weapons carried by infantry and jump units, which are part of this attachment, gain the pinning special rule in the shooting phase of any player turn in which they deep strike. Uh, so they gain pinning. This is really good because you got to remember units that come out of a drop pod or what would most likely be a dread claw because this doesn't like unlock drop pods or anything like that. So if you took a Dreadclaw with just tactical marines in it, when they come in via deep strike, even though the they came in via pod, the unit inside still counts as deep striking. So when they get out of the pod, so the pod will get its five up cover, then the guys deploying out will get their five up cover, then the guy shooting will also gain pinning. Good lord. Jesus. Yeah. Infantry or jump infantry. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. So if you have like a unit of heavy flamers coming out of an invillus, you could pin somebody to death. I mean, it really wouldn't be that yep. powerful. But. Or anything. Delta gun squad, uh, sniper vet squad, terminators with combi bolters. It doesn't matter. Pin to death. Uh, the judgment of angels is the next effect. All units which are part of this attachment have the Legion start as blood angel special rule game. Plus one initiative on the turn they charge into an assault. This is the big deal Ryan was talking about earlier with Terminators with Lightning Claws. Yep. It's a huge deal. Well, it's it's good with Ain't anything. No so imagine, like, so once again, it's like you have your big 20-man assault squad or whatever with, you know, your Blood Angel rules. You charge in your, what, 60 attacks, 61 attacks because of the sergeant on the charge that you're swinging at an initiative five, which is going to fight before anything in the game, and then you're going to, you know, kill whatever, fails all it saves, and then whatever's left gets to fight back. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. And that, that's what Ryan was saying earlier in this discussion that he's had with me a long time ago about Lightning Claws. Because Ryan historically doesn't like Lightning Claws, if you don't know, unless you get plus one initiative. Because then you can murder people before they have a chance to strike back, and especially if it's AP3. So this is one of the cases where it's okay to put the Lightning Claw on the sergeant because he'll get to murder people other space marines before they even get a chance well to i wouldn't put on the sergeant because the sergeant's gonna end up in a challenge and then you always end up with the oh artificer armor dickhead so don't do that don't listen to michael there um <laughs> oh god don't put it on the sergeant right <laughs> fucking fake Somewhere news out there, folks. Was, like, breaking a weapon off <laughs> oh wait, so, no, he's... okay yeah. what i what i would look at is if you have five guys uh, give two of them chain fists, give two of them lightning claws, and then the sergeant, you want to give some form of AP2 weapon. Probably a power fist so he doubles guys out. So I would go power fist, two chain fists, two lightning claws, and five man. Um, if you were going up to a ten man, uh, you would probably want to put <laughs> another two lightning claws in and then you know mix the rest in with uh, chain fists or power fists, whatever. Where you got just... roughly an even mix. Sprinkle it in. Yeah. So the next rule by honor bound <laughs> characters of Legion start as blood in a special rule must always accept a challenge if one is offered in combat. 
If multiple eligible characters are present in the combat, the controlling player may choose which one answers the challenge as normal. So send your lightning claw sergeant to death, <laughs> and he's got to accept it, accept his fate that he's going to get punched by an artificer. Just saying, every, every sergeant in my world leader's army has A, artifice, armor, and B, a power fist. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> You come here, just <laughs> looks at his lightning claw. Like, Aww. why would you do this it to me, Father? Plus one weapon skill in a challenge. <laughs> so, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> so the limitations of this uh, right of war are: compulsory HQ and troop choices for the detachment must be made up of units equipped with jump packs. Detachments using this right of war. Keep that in mind. It's it's just compulsory. So that means if you take three HQs, only one, only the compulsory one has to have a jump pack so you could take two that don't if you didn't yes. want to absolutely same thing with troops so you could take two you're gonna the only compulsory troop choices in the game currently with jump packs are assault marines so this right of war makes you take two assault marine squads but you could then take you know tactical squads tactical support squads whatever and throw them in dread claws or whatever but anyway go ahead continue i was just elaborating so people don't just hear it they understand it yeah, and possibly future-proofed on that one, if they do get yeah. any special units. Uh, detachment using this route of war must take a compulsory fast attack choice as part of the force, which must also either have the flyer or deep strike special rule. That's easy. So you need to take uh, one fast yeah, attack choice. What is it? Yeah, so you can do javelins, you can do speeders, you can do a Zyphon, you can do a Storm Eagle. Uh, what? Javelins, speeders, Zyphon, Storm Eagle... Can you think of anything else? I think that's, that's all. It. A lightning. Lightning's both fast, both right? version, <laughs> both version of the javelin. Yeah, land the normal land speeder, and really you can look, like that's yeah. like a fifty-five point. Like here's a land oh, speeder. or jet, jet bikes, deep strike. Oh, yeah, jet bikes and deep strike. Yeah. Yeah. So not a hard tax you have to take, but and definitely nope. will come in handy regardless of what happens. Right. All those units are solid, so. Primary detachment using this of war may not take any fortifications, sentry guns, or lords of war other than flyers or the Primarch Sanguinius. Yep. So, unfortunately, there's no Primarch Sanguinius for you to take, but you can still take or suborbital strike wing, cool things like that. Uh, Thunderhawk, Stormbird. Marauder, 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 Blood Angels, Tarantulas, God damn it. God yeah. damn it. Sorry, but Joseph Stalin rules riders. Not letting me play my blood <laughs> angels trance with the saw cannons. <laughs> Very specifically, they denied those, like, even though they could deep strike, like, with not <laughs> like, not today, motherfucker. Somebody must have found some way that that could be abused, and they're like, no, nope. snip it, nip it in the bud. We cannot let tarantulas be good. <laughs> So that's it for that ride of war. Uh, I mean, a lot of people play it. It's, I mean, it's not bad at all. It's a, it's solid. It's solid pretty. It locks you into a very like you pretty much have to play a certain play style. Like you're, you have to take a character with a jump pack. You have to take two assault marine squads. You have to take one of those fast attack squads that we went over with, and then everything else in the army either has to, uh, you know, basically come in via deep strike. So that's pods you know, whatever. So it's very limiting in what you can take. Yeah. It's pretty obvious what kind of army you're playing when you take that right of war. Yeah. 
I like it. I'm not. I'm not saying bad things about it at all. I'm just saying like you're <laughs> you're gonna be in that one playstyle. Termites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, termites can't deep strike. Um, what's the restriction? Does it say? Deep strike or have flyers? I can't remember what's it say. It's both. It may either have the flyer or deep strike special rule. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, termites yeah. are gonna be fun. So just like the duality that is that's the... fucking lame though. Who's gonna put termites <laughs> in their goddamn fucking yeah. day of revolution? fucking ground drills. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I would run that shit in orbital. How assault, noble right? and majestic those are. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I got that one breached a sewer line on its way up. <laughs> oh, God. Like, oh, no. My gold-braided oh, so fucking awesome. artificer helmet has boo on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't run fucking termites in your Blood Angel army. That's dumb as fuck. That's not something they would do. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I heard it on RFI. I could take termites. <laughs> Derek on RFI told me I could. <laughs> you can't it. do it. I just do it. do it. Do it just to spite It's Ryan. like running the jet bike ride war for your fucking Death Guard army. <laughs> like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> you said. You said every legion has these elements in them. <laughs> yeah. So, just like the duality that is the Blood Angels, they have one good ride of war and one bad ride of war. <laughs> it's not bad. <that>. Yeah. <laughs> the it's next ride of war. <laughs> no, it's pretty awful. Next one is the Day of Sorrows Ride of War, just like the actual Ride of War itself. Yeah, you uh, run it. It's called that because if you run it, you will have a Day of Sorrows. But anyway, go ahead. On on uh, tournament day, this is a Day of Sorrows <laughs> or on event day. So the effects of this Ride of War are resolute defense. Any unit with the Legion Star's Blood Angel Special Roll, which is a part of a detachment which uses this Ride of War, is cannot be pinned. And in addition, is stubborn within three inches of any objective in their own deployment zone. So this, <laughs> so seems if good at first. <laughs> Don't be fooled. <laughs> so we are. I mean, if you like to hang out in your deployment zone and you're one of those, um, in your assault army, if you're playing an assault army but like staying in your deployment zone, take this right of war. It'll give you much benefit. <laughs> You will not be pinned. Do not worry. Hang in there. Uh, next one is the Aura of Wrath. Any unit which suffers a morale check as a result of losing an assault in which the majority of the enemy models have the Legion Star's Blood Angel Special Rule suffers an additional minus one penalty to their leadership value when taking the test. Units which are immune to fear are immune to this ability. So it gives a minus one penalty to enemy combatants that you're fighting when they lose assaults to you. So, I mean, not game breaking, not great. Um, so I don't, <laughs> there's that one. Uh, but you won't be an assault because you'll be busy guarding your objective in your deployment zone. Uh, by bloody, <laughs> by blood sworn. When any unit with the Legion star is bloody in a special rule, which is part of this attachment, which uses this route of war is reduced to 50% or less of its starting models. The remaining models gain the feel no pain five plus special rule from the beginning of their next turn that lasts for the remainder of the game. So this seems once, really good. This seems really good. And so you think but wait, it. there's more. <laughs> no, 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 so, no. It would be good, but read the restrictions. 
So the limitations are this are bloody handed. Any unit with Legion of Star has bloody a special rule, which is part of his attachment. Legion of Star of War must always make sweeping advances, and characters which are part of these units must issue challenge and accept challenges in combat where applicable. The Blood Angels player, however, may choose any of their characters does this if they have which may choose which of their characters does this if they have more than one in combat. Uh, so that's just another thing where you have to accept all the challenges coming in. And then to the bitter dregs, any unit with Legion Star is Blood Angel Special Rule, which is part of a detachment which uses Rite of War that has been reduced to 50% or less of its starting number of models, counts as being destroyed at the end of the game for the purposes of victory points where these are used, and no longer counts as a scoring unit. <laughs> Note that characters attached to this unit are unaffected. Yeah. So. Damn. Yeah. So... So if you play against a savvy opponent, they just treat you like Necrons when they had the phase-out rule and just fucking, oh, how many guys did you start with? Eight? Okay, I kill four, and then just ignore those motherfuckers, and then go kill these, and then go kill these, and then just run and hide for the game, and then you can't score objectives, and you can't win on kill points. <laughs> but I got feel no pain. I don't care. I'm not shooting at you. <laughs> You're dead Yeah, to me. as soon as you You're hit dead. feel no pain, they stop shooting at you. Like, oh, cool, I got feel no pain. All right, cool, I'm going to ignore you now. <laughs> You're dead. You're dead to me, kid. You're useless. <laughs> Your brothers were cool, but not you. That's rough. So, uh, I don't understand why this ride of war exists. I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. I don't... Yeah, it, it gives you bonuses for hanging your assault army in your own deployment zone. Hanging around in your own deployment zone, which seems dumb as fuck. Like, why don't they give world leaders? Imagine that, so, Scott. If they gave your world leaders a bonus for being in your yeah, deployment zone. Every quad mortar team you take in your fucking world leaders army game, four plus feel no pain. Like, what? what yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Um, so, in so you got that. Like, so let me run this. With, let me see if I get this straight. So, your units that are in your deployment zone get stubborn. So, if they lose combat, you know, they don't. They, they they stick around a little better. But if they lose half their guys in that combat and that's what causes you to take the morale check, they don't score anymore. So what's the point? I said, yeah, there's no point. Like, it's almost like somebody took the story of Sanguinous uh, guarding the gates, like, for a day and was like, how can I make a ride of war out of this? And No, no, no. I think it's when Sanguinous goes down and they all turn into the bl- the Black Rage or whatever. That's basically what this represents. Yeah. There's there's little to like make this ride of war useful. Um it's 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 kind of like uh like if you're looking for an army that turtles up in your deployment zone, then you probably want to look at like an Imperial Fist army or Ultramarines or Iron Warriors, Iron, warriors, Iron Hands. It's is not the Blood Angels should not be your first go-to for that. I think this is a, an attempt to make that available to you, but you're probably well, not getting the, the most out the of your The biggest religion. benefit of this is the fucking feel no pain. It's like, I can put a 45-point fucking apothecary in almost any unit in the game. It's 45 points and start with feel no pain and get a whole other guy to add to the unit to fight with the unit. So I'm increasing the wounds in the squad. I'm increasing the attacks that the squad puts out and all that. Plus I start at all those wounds with feel no pain fright from the get-go instead of having to lose half my guys then have some survive and then gain feel no pain yeah i don't know there's just no i i 
just go ahead and overlook this one, guys. It's <laughs> you, You're not going to use it, so don't worry about it. But Dave Revelation, man, you got a winner there. You got yeah. a winner there. So, uh, but that's it for Special Rights of Wars that Blood Angels get. Um, any Rights of Wars that are noteworthy, Ryan, that you want to bring up for Blood Angels? Um, I'm currently running Armored Breakthrough, which seems crazy at first, but then, like, I've played Blood Angels since 2nd Edition. Blood Angels have always had fast tanks. They've always had sur- supercharged engines or turbocharged engines on all their vehicles. So I like that particular right of war because it makes all your three hole point or less tanks fast, like your rhinos and all that. So it makes it very fluffy for Blood Angels, and it's kind of like a throwback to that. Um, so what I like to do for that right of war, because the Blood Angel drawback makes you run a bunch of stuff that aren't tanks anyway, you actually end up with a really well-rounded army. So uh, my army has jet bikes in it. It's got attack bikes in it. It's got outrider bikes in it. It's got a Praetor on bike. It's got some veterans and rhinos. Um, so it's got quite a bit of things with the toughness value in it. And then I supplement that with uh, two or three Predators um, that are fast. And then the rhinos that the vets go in are obviously fast. And then I... Uh, I run a suborbital strike wing to put some planes in there. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So it's just like some a lot of fast tanks, a lot of bikes, and some planes. I think it works really well. I dig it. Yeah, that's a and it's I, we've seen pictures of that. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful army. Oh, I got some, I got some javelin. I got some javelin speeders in there too. It's a. It's a uh, it's a real good mix of units. It doesn't have very much like repeating stuff in it. It's pretty cool. Um, I like it quite a bit. Uh, I'll probably switch to Day of Revelation. You know when the special units come out. The main reason I went this route was because when I started doing my Blood Angels, you know all, I already had my Word Bears and my um, Salamanders and some other shit by the time I got rules, and I already have like two drop pod armies. Like both those are drop pod armies, so I was like, "Oh look, I'll be able to do another deep strike army," and also everybody else who plays Blood Angels does it too. So I just wanted to be a little bit different, so I used that armor breakthrough to make all my tanks fast to kind of represent a different play style for them. Uh, so that's the one I mainly play. Um, I think the jet bike ride of war would be pretty cool for them and pretty fluffy. The Sky Hunter. Uh, whatever that's called, Sky Hunter Phalanx. Scott, he, I seen the F on his lips, the F sound. He oh, was ready. What? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, those jet bikes, they're, uh, once again, each jet bike's three attacks on the charge. They're toughness five. They have a two-plus armor save, so they're pretty decent in close combat. Normally, you don't want them in close combat. Jet bikes are definitely a shooting unit. But if you're running an entire army of basically nothing but jet bikes in that right of war you're going to have to use them as dual purpose. That's just how it is. So at that point, you can, you know, shoot with them as much as possible, um, but then maybe put melt bombs on them and then a few, like a power weapon or whatever on the sergeant and then use them to swoop in and finish off, like, whittle down squads. Or if somebody gets close, you can maybe use one to screen as, like, a, a unit to hold off while the rest of your bikes fly away to get in a different shooting position. But you're not going to be helpless in close combat. So that's pretty good. Yeah, definitely like the way you play that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, because they're an assault army. I feel like Armored Spearhead would be cool with all the Land Raiders. Oh um, yeah, because you get Land Raider Land That'd Raiders is dedicated. So you could you can load up. Uh, also in this, if you want to call it fluff, in the shitty, uh, uh, what's his fucking face, Matt Ward codex where he gave him deep striking flying land raiders he wrote some bullshit fluff where they had more land raiders than anyone that survived the heresy so if you actually count that as canon um it <laughs> is kind of fluffy i guess to have a bunch of land raiders in your blood angel army uh so yeah you can do that that would be a cool one and remember the blood angel uh drawback doesn't go towards dedicated transports so if you took the armored spearhead because land raiders would then become dedicated, you could run a shitload of land raiders and still be neutral, um, like better than neutral actually on the the amount of you know armor and versus infantry you could take. Absolutely, you get to use those sweet sweet forge world blood angel transfers on your land raiders. Look great, fantastic, beautiful looking army. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, none of the other ones really jump out to me. Uh, I mean, obviously, Pride of the Legion, that'll go with anybody. Um, you know, stuff like that. But, like, the ones that I really feel would be good and actually benefit them based on the rules would be, like I said, Armored Spearhead, Skyhunter Phalanx, and um, Armored Breakthrough. If you do Armored Breakthrough, like I said, just... A lot of times people do armored breakthrough just to cram as many tanks in as possible. I think that's the wrong way to do it with Blood Angels. You want, you know, less than half your army to be tanks, and you really want to push the uh, bike, jet bike, attack bike, and dudes in rhinos and dudes in land raider element of it. Okay. I dig it. So. Well, very cool, man. Uh. So I hope that helps you guys out. Uh, Derek, uh, just to follow up on your, your question about pistol weapons. So every single unit inside the Legion of Stardust has a bolt pistol. Uh, so every infantry model has a bolt pistol. Gotcha. Uh, pistol weapons are effectively assault one weapons. A pistol counts as a close combat weapon in the assault phase. Yeah. And so. So, so, every, so when you, when so you have a close combat weapon in the assault phase... It just uses your basic melee profile. Yeah, and the close combat weapon is strength user type melee. So, and that's on page forty-two. Right. So they, uh, I, I got so, that on the pistols. I just didn't know if there was a unit that had like, uh, right, like a bolt gun with no pistol. Yeah, every single person has a bolt pistol. I went through everything in the list. Everybody has bolt pistols. Cool. So that's not going to come up. Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I double checked. I was looking. I thought maybe like heavy support squads didn't have pistols, but they do. They make sure everybody has pistols. Covering their bases. So. Rock and roll, man. So that's going to be it for Blood Angels, guys. If you have any questions on how to run Blood Angels or anything like that, or you have any questions about this episode or in general for us, uh, our emails are michael at warhammer30k.com, Derek at warhammer30k.com, Ryan at warhammer30k.com, and Scott at warhammer30k.com. Uh, I know you heard us mention that we have a voicemail. If you want to give us a call, it's 209-RFI-30K-0 is our voicemail number. 
you can give us a call, leave a voicemail. We'll play it live on the show unless we're having one of these special shows. Uh, we'll play it the following week. Uh, right now, if you're not a regular listener to the show or anything like that, uh, we generally play, I think right now we're kind of in this like bear stories phase. We're slowly starting to move into like different bear stories. So if you have a bear story or anything like that, feel free to share it with us. We'll play it live on air. Uh, they get pretty cool, pretty funny. Uh, but really, if you want to share any story with us, Warhammer related or not, give us a call. We will play it. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email uh, with any questions, feel free to do that. We also have a Facebook. If you go to Radio Free Estevan on Facebook, you can find us there, and you'll be able to see all what we're doing on there. And uh, should be good to go. Next, uh, next up here, before we do anything else, we have the CK Studios. We got powerful caleb and powerful cat coming up on an interview i hope you guys stay to listen to that uh i mean really we talked to them about pretty much what it's like to be in one of their classes i told them how much i destroy airbrushes all the time like how awful i am to airbrushes and uh ryan talks a little I've bit i've now about- taken four i've now taken four of their classes and i've enjoyed every one. i would highly recommend going if you get a chance yeah, it's a it's a super cool interview, man. Uh, Caleb and Cat really go into why they did it, um, and so I, I definitely recommend you go listen to the entire interview because it's freaking fantastic. Uh, they talk about their hobby hangouts, which is like basically free painting lessons every Wednesday. So you just go follow them on the hangouts, and Cat uh, and Caleb run that, and it's on their YouTube channel, which. I mean, and there's also a Facebook group called the Hobby Hangout that you can go to and they'll let you know all the things that they're doing and and everything like that. But when you actually go in the Hobby Hangout, you can actually watch them airbrush and watch them paint or whatever they're doing for that time period. And they will actually uh, answer your questions there. You can send them a chat and everything like that and they'll... uh, They'll answer your questions live on the air. It's it's pretty wild, man. It's like the future of technology. They're tackling it. And they're going. They're traveling the United States. Actually, they're traveling the world to give out these airbrushing 101 classes. I'm super excited because like I get to take their class here at Adepticon, and I get to take their class here in April that they're going to San Antonio for, which is their 101 class. And I'm really looking forward to their 102 class. I hope they they come back to Texas for their 102 class, but. It's not in the works right now. I did see their schedule posted up today. But check out that interview, guys. It's going to come up right after this break we're going to have here. And uh, let us know what you think. So anything else you want to add before we kick it off to the interview? Say something, Scott. You've been so quiet this episode. Fucking blood angels. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Fuck. (laughs) Dude, they're they're a really fun army. And I think they're going to get treated very well when they come out with their unique legion like units they've always been they have a very very cool aesthetic so like sanguinary guard they were like one of my favorite plastic kits that was ever made for uh for 40k and you know if you if you take that and you enjoy that sort of aesthetic that cool angelic look and then you factor in the amount of talent that those four world sculptors have and you know the amount of imagination they can bring to life. I would, I would be very excited. All Blood Angels player for when they've already said one of their special units is a special destroyer unit. Ooh, ooh, special destroyers. If, uh, if they put half of the work they put in to the Blood Angels decal sheet, we're gonna have a good time, boys. <laughs> 
because that thing's beautiful. So there you have but, it. Anyway, we will kick this off to some music, and then we're going to go right into the CK Studios interview with Powerful Caleb and Powerful Cat. So see y'all around the corner, guys. Don't go nowhere. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome back. And now the interview that we've been uh, been teasing you all episode. We've got powerful Caleb Wissenbach. Wissenbach? How do you say it? What's the right way? Wissenbach. 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 Oh, okay. a- a- any way you want to. We, we just roll with it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm notorious for, for adding like really like distinct sounds to people's names. So Wissenbach. And then... Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I've, heard, I've heard it so many ways. I, I can't wait to see what you it's do good. with mine. <laughs> and uh, we got we got also a powerful Cat Jackson. That one's easy. I think I couldn't. There's not much I could do with that. So, Cat Jackson. <laughs> and then of course, powerful Ryan Kimmel's here as well to uh, to break this interview down. So, guys, CK Studios fame, right? That's that's where we should know your name. I think everybody knows both of y'all's names already quite a bit from the uh, CK Studios, huh? That's y'all's mm-hmm. jam. And then, of course, everybody <laughs> might know y'all from uh, y'all's hobby hangouts as well, right? Yep. So, uh, so I guess let's let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about a little bit what you guys do and uh, and what you guys promote. You want to take it away? Let me let us know what you do. Cat, you wanna you wanna start no, talk about ahead. hobby hangout? No, okay. Um, all right. Well, my obviously my name is my name is Caleb Wissenbach, and uh, I'm I'm the co artist, co founder of CK Studios. I guess we call it. <laughs> um, and what we do, um, you know, we. Uh, Gosh, <laughs> I've kind of drawn a blank. <laughs> um, well, you for sure hold classes. Well, I mean, we, we know you hold classes I, I think for I, sure. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, hold, we hold classes. Um, we hold I think classes. I'm putting in way more hours than that, sir. <laughs> yeah, Cat Cat does a lot more. Um, you know, we started out just being kind of small. I was over at WGC, and Cat was um, started up the hobby hangout. And we kind of met up through that, checking out the hobby hangout. Um, love the, I love the elements of it. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out hobby hangout, it's the, the faceline group that's based around the Google hangouts. Um, it originally started as just kind of a, a fun place to hang out with people. Nobody likes painting by themselves. Well, except for me. Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people, you know, you don't, you don't get a chance to get out a lot or you're, you're stuck at home or something like that. It gets kind of boring to just paint by yourself. So um, loved the idea. I was watching the idea grow, um, checking it out for the men- for the mentors program over at WGC. Wanted to get the mentors doing it, and uh, man, just really kind of clicked with Cat on everything that she was doing, where she was working with the community, um, how she was kind of using this platform to build the community. It wasn't really a like a solo kind of project. She had a bunch of people, great people involved. Uh, Liz. Um, 
oh my goodness, I'm drawing blanks. Uh, Spud, uh, you know, um, all of those guys were really involved, Kevin. And it was awesome. So we started hanging out and talking more and kind of developed into the CK Studios. And that's where we're kind of following in those steps. We're, we're trying to build the community, build up the hobby. Um, that's why we do this. We we do this part time. This is not our full time job, um, so we're really enjoying it. We get to to meet a lot of people. Uh, the classes are amazing. Uh, we teach at a lot of the conventions. Um, Adepticon will be at this year. In the past, we've been at Nova, uh, KingdomCon, ReaperCon, uh, CaptainCon. <laughs> like all the cons, so many cons. And we love it. We love it. We. Uh, we just were enjoying the teaching part of it. We've kind of shied away from the commission painting and um, doing that side of it. And we're just really focused on, on uh, instruction now, teaching and um, trying to help build the community. You know, there's a lot of different groups out there that are always talking about bringing the hobby back into 40K and stuff like that. But not just 40K. We're, we're involved in all the different hobbies. Um, man. <laughs> I'm just kind of rambling, Cat. Why don't you bail me out? Dude, that was so, you know what? It always sounds so much better when someone else talks about it than yourself. That was awesome. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That was great. It really was. And and I agree. Um, some of the things, the different elements we have going on with um, the Hobby Hangout is actually introducing a lot of um, free resources now. So we've got folks that are doing running a twitch feed for us we've got a discord server we have all of our tutorial videos that are an ongoing growing library now on our youtube channel um vince venturella caleb wissenbeck um david powell he just finished recording his first set, six in a series for us um and then hopefully grow that library because it's just a community these are all community folks that are providing this service and creating kind of a, a a library of tools for people so um it's it's definitely in line with what caleb and i do and that's just a lot of giving back to the community through training and doing the events and stuff so that was really well done caleb that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. love it love it love it makes yeah, me want to join it yeah I know. I know if you type in a uh, uh, CK Studios and Airbrush, and uh, I, I'm not even sure. You might actually be able to just type in Hobby Hangout and Airbrush. Like that's how I learned how to clean my airbrush properly. <laughs> like Caleb teaching me how to how to clean my airbrush. Like it's just like this wealth of information that you can find on YouTube, and a lot of it's just from you guys. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, I love hearing that. Really <laughs> yeah, they fun. got the. As far as I'm concerned, you guys got the best. Like method for keeping your airbrush clean as you go like i've had since i took your class i've not had problems like before i used to hate air like hate it airbrushing i would still do it because i did all my base coats with it but about every 10 15 minutes i'd struggle and have to take it apart take it into the bathroom clean it you know strip it all out and i was just getting so frustrated with it and there were some days it was just so bad like i was like man i just want to paint these 10 marines like i i don't i didn't want all this trouble um, right. and then, uh, after I took your guys's class at Nova, you know, you you had the, the three classes, the, the, the 101, 102, 103, whatever it was, you had like the first two were more like seminars, I guess. And then the third one mm -hmm. was hands-on, but, the, uh, learning your guys's how you clean your airbrush and stuff there. That's when I came back and we talked about it on this show. 
and I told Michael about it. I think that's when he looked it up online. And um, yeah. man, that that alone has saved me so much time, so much time. <laughs> and and like like as you heard in our class, you know, we kind of talk about about how I learned these techniques from Badger, and I was in the same boat. I mean. You didn't want to airbrush because it took hours and you're just like, man, I, I don't want to deal with this. I just, I'd rather brush paint because it's quicker and stuff like that. So learning these techniques definitely changed my focus with airbrushing because originally I, I wasn't really an airbrush uh, painter. I, I was using the more uh, traditional brush techniques for competitions and stuff like that. And I kind of shied away from the airbrush except for a little bit for painting armies here and there. But like you said, some base coating and stuff like that. And then uh, I just buckled down and said, dude, I got to learn how to use this thing. Um, <clears throat> but I, I got to say that that Badger especially was probably really critical and kind of changing with the support we got from them and being able to start to adjust our painting and see the different brushes, use different brushes and stuff like that. We, we were able to develop the curriculum that we have here. And that's the goal. That's the goal of that class right there is what you talked about is build that confidence and comfort with the airbrush. Um, that, that, that's what we're after. We want you to be confident with the airbrush, comfortable with it and say, dude, man, I, I'll break out the airbrush to paint one model. Cause you're just like, it's so much faster than painting with a brush. So that's yeah. Well, and it, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michael. No, man. No, go ahead. Go take it. Take it from there. I was just gonna say it also gives your model a different look. I mean, even just doing a base coat, like that's like why. Even before when I before I I took your guys's course and learned how to keep it clean properly, and was struggling. The reason I kept fighting through it, even though it was taking forever, was because I did those first like twenty, thirty guys, and the difference in base coat and how much better it looked. I was like, man, this is. Even though it sucks and I could brush paint these faster, which I can't now. Obviously, I can airbrush faster now that I know how to do it. But even back then when it was frustrating, it's not only saves you time, but it just gives you a different look. It goes on smoother uh, because of the you go with you. You get into the theory of it a lot in your class about the, the transparency of the airbrush and how you play with that a lot. And that's basically the foundation of, you know, almost every airbrush technique is the fact that it sprays. <laughs> you know, like a translucent coat where you can do different things with it. Exactly. And you're not going to learn all the techniques in our beginner class. We just don't have the time to teach like everything, but we want the the basis. And that's what we're, that's what that class builds is that foundation you're talking about. And yeah, there is, there is a bit of lecture in that class. The 102 is a little bit better for not so much lecture. There's a lot more airbrushing in that one. Um, but the first class is really important to, to build that structure, that foundation for you, that you'll, it doesn't matter what type of technique you like. If you like certain styles better than others, um, it's not going to change. The foundations are there. The same thing with brush painting, you know, all of the different blend techniques and glaze techniques, et cetera, et cetera. There's a foundation and that's, <clears throat> that's what we want to teach. And you saw the class, it, it takes them to very far extremes. Um, Michael, you haven't got a chance to see it yet, but we talk about the ugly phase and all the fun stuff. Um, <laughs> and all, all that's, to, that's meant, it's not meant to, to kind of develop a style or to teach a style, but more it's meant to teach, look, this is everything you can do with the airbrush. So take these little basics here and just grow, develop, build as much off of this foundation as you can and develop your own techniques. 
Yeah, I actually have uh, two classes with you at Adepticon. I'm taking the art of airbrushing ghost tents and the art of airbrushing getting started. So I'm looking forward oh, to that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. You're also taking their class, uh, the Dreadnought class in Texas, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I already mm-hmm. signed up for that one, too. So, like, yeah. man, so like Ryan was, like, such a huge, like, uh, I guess, proponent of you guys. Like, he comes into the podcast, and he's, like, talking about how you have to take these classes because he took his game from, like, he's already a good painter. Don't get me wrong. Ryan was a great painter already. But he's, like, you know, talking about how he took his game from, like, 2001 to, like, 2016, like, He's, he's <laughs> he said you just got to accelerate it. You just got to go take these classes and just accelerate your game forward. And uh, yeah, I was like, you know what? This year I'm gonna be like Ryan. I'm gonna go ahead and take every airbrushing class I can to take finally be able to use his airbrush and not just like like for one, I'm I'm horrible at cleaning airbrushes. Uh, before Ryan came back and it's like, dude, like you know they taught me how to clean airbrushes and all that stuff and then i go and look up your video i see how to clean airbrushes i was the guy that would use an airbrush like once thought i cleaned it out just right and then you'd find that like crud at the bottom and then you just like force your needle through to like push the crud out like get out of there and uh just root like just got to go buy a new airbrush at that point like it was just <laughs> bad <laughs> no amount of cleaning can fix these old airbrushes i have so <laughs> I'm looking I, for I, I would love I would love to say I never did that, but Me too. I, I can't I can't even count the number of airbrushes I ruined on two hands. I mean <laughs> I ruined so many airbrushes. Prim- primer's the culprit. Uh, yeah, oh, just everything. Primer in it for a while. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. I like I I remember I hit up a uh, uh, powerful David Sampson over at Black Label Painting. I'm like Hey man, like where can you get extra needles? And it's like, oh, you can get them here. It's like, yeah, I need to get a few extra needles. He's like, how are you going through needles so fast? Like, what are you doing to your poor airbrush? <laughs> I'm like, dude, like I don't know. Like I don't, I'm just priming. <laughs> so yeah, I'm the destroyer of airbrushes. So now I'm gonna get some some classical knowledge of the airbrush, some fine some fine learning of the airbrush. And so I'm, I'm actually I'm super looking forward to getting these classes done. I'm actually holding off on some Imperial Fist until i take your april class like they're just not allowed to touch them until until i take your april class well the 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 one thing i'll warn you and i i try to stress in the classes but we also want the students to have as much freedom as possible try not to bring something to match your army if if you're planning on attending the weekender class and you want to paint a dreadnought don't don't bring one that you're going to match your army with um because in my opinion, um, it holds you back from getting everything for the class. If you have a little more freedom with the model to, to not have a, a particular vision right at the start of the class, I want this model to look exactly this way, um, you'll expand more because we, we do take, we take the models very far. Um, I'm constantly telling the class, look, you probably wouldn't use these techniques in your normal painting, but I want you to understand this, or I want you to see how this works. We're going to play with these techniques. We're going to use this technique. And if you bring something and you're like, oh, I can't paint that because I want this to match my model, um, it'll hold you back. It, 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 it will. And uh, I try not to stress it too much because there are a lot of students that are like, well, dude, I really... I, I, I paid all this money for my Legion Dreadnought, and this is the Dreadnought I'm going to bring. I want to paint this model. Mm-hmm. I don't have that problem. I'm just like, well, just understand, 
it's not going to match anything you painted yet. So, um, so I, I like I, was... I like my. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, go ahead. I have good news, man. Uh, so. I haven't started any of my Imperial Fist, and one of your past students from this past class y'all had, Christopher Bergeron, he let me know that exact advice. He's like, do not start painting any of your Imperial Fists until you take this class because they will not match. <laughs> like, you- Well, and also what he's saying is the one you do in the class, you may not want to do the rest of the army that way because he's going to – the one you do in the class, like if I'm just, just to be blunt about it, it's more just like an expendable material. Just look at it yeah. as an expendable material – don't don't look at it as something that you're going to put in an army or whatever. Not to say you can't, but I mean that it, it's the same thing. When I came back from from MKA and I bought that Rhino, when I went into that class, it was the same thing. Like I'm all worried about this Rhino, like I wanted to win a Golden Demon or whatever. And the the teachers in the class are like, I'm like, man, these people just don't care about this Rhino. And I'm like, they don't care. They look at it as like a bottle of paint or a brush or anything else. <laughs> you're just going to discard after the class. It's only to teach you the techniques on. It's not. It, 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 just look at it that way. So whatever you take to these painting classes, don't think it's something that's going to come out the other end. Like they're going to teach you, they're wanting to teach you these techniques, not a, and it gets you to experiment on it, not paint a exact fucking what you know. This this is the thing. You know what I mean? So gotcha. Uh, we're, yeah. We're so with- just look at it that way. Yeah, we're working on muscle memory and technique and application and those kinds of things but the other part of it is is if you want to bring a second model you're welcome to bring another model to practice something that if you want to develop out your army you could on a different model yeah using techniques you just don't want to take that away from the class you know make sure that it's still go- that's still going on but there have been folks that have done that they'll, they'll paint up two dreadnoughts my so. goodness my goodness <laughs> yeah <laughs> And 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 it it doesn't necessarily mean that the model you're going to use is a throwaway. We've had what four four students now that have completed their model um, that we painted in the class. You're not going to complete the whole thing in the, in the the time frame, especially if you want to do all the chipping and the freehand and et cetera, et cetera. But we've had we've had four students now that have entered their models into competitions. Um, a couple of them took trophies. Uh, Chris Chris. Uh, Oh my goodness! I'm drawing a blank on Chris. Chris Jones's model comes to mind. Uh, he took uh, he took a golden dreamman with the dreadnought that he painted in our class. I mean, he, he had to finish it up, but uh, based on the techniques, he was able to to get a gold. I was very impressed when I saw that. I was like, hey, I'm looking. To, you know, we're walking through, looking at the models in the display and everything, and I'm like, that's from our class. I didn't know who had painted it, but I was like, that's from our class. I I recognize that style. <laughs> so, man, yeah, that should be in the brochure, man. That should be right front page of the pamphlet. Clever. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. So that probably a- answers one of your questions that one of your uh, patrons had asked. They asked if a Legion Dreadnought is okay for the class. And uh, absolutely, if you want to bring in a Legion Dreadnought, um, enjoy. Uh, they're wonderful. Uh, Ryan brought in the Raven Guard model. In fact, we had three of those Raven Guard dreadnoughts in that class. And that was the first time I've seen that dreadnought. What a gorgeous dreadnought. Um, <laughs> so if you want to bring in your Legion dreadnoughts, absolutely. Just understand it's probably not going to match your army when you're done. Uh, the color schemes, we can 
get very close to the legion specific we'll paint we'll paint your your models legion specific color schemes and stuff like that but we are going to want you to push the the envelope a little bit push push your extreme so that you can learn how to really play with the transparencies and the light effects of airbrush and et cetera, et cetera. That's so awesome. So for, for those of y'all listening right now and not really sure what class he's talking about, uh, do you have a title for this class or what this class is called? I don't, it's a, it, all I know is there's, it's coming to San Antonio and, and it's, it's a, it's, you're going to paint up, we're going to get to paint up a Legion dreadnought. I know that for sure. Uh, but is this like a push for you guys to try and hit up as many cities as you can to try and get everybody pro painted in America? <laughs> <laughs> We're taking airbrush to America. That should be our tagline. Uh, we're, we fill actually, uh, okay, so we fill our classes by request. So we work with people that come to us and say, we've got, uh, you know, 30 people that are interested in, in having you guys come out and teach. And, of that 30, we'd probably get about 15 of them to sign up, typically. Um, sometimes the community's a little bit stronger. Victoria was eight months out when they signed theirs on, and they sold it out in, like, three days or whatever it was. <laughs> that was so, Lansing, I mean. Not, not, not Victoria, Lansing. Sorry. Lansing, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah La- Lansing crazy sold out. Um, so so the, the name of the class is The Art of Airbrushing 101. Gotcha. Um, so... Uh, 101 being, you know, that's that's the beginner class. That's your your basics. We're going to get you started into airbrushing, develop the techniques and stuff like that. And then, yeah, we build off of that. As Kat was saying, we have uh, uh, the students' request. We have so many requests right now. We could probably do a class every other week, and <laughs> it would probably take it probably take us a couple a, a year or more to at least get through just. Yeah. Right, just just to get the one on ones. Then we also have the one o two class, um, which is just a developmental. Um, it's an advancement. You don't necessarily have to have the one o one, but it it builds on the foundation that we talked about. The one o one is a foundation class. It's designed to to teach confidence in airbrushing. We want you to be confident and comfortable with your equipment. Um, the class we do require, but we might adjust this a little bit. We we got some new news today. Um, but normally we require the students to bring their own airbrush, compressor, paints, and stuff like that. The reason being is we want them to be comfortable with their paints. Um, you can go take a class, and I can teach you on my airbrush how to airbrush and how to thin my paints. But when you get home, you don't have my airbrush. You don't have my paints. Um, you don't have my compressor, et cetera, et cetera. So we want the students to be able to take what they learn directly take it home and start using it immediately. Um, that's the goal. Um, so that's what the 101 is. And then the 102, while the 101 builds on the confidence in airbrushing, the 102 builds on, hey, look how far I can go with an airbrush. We're going to show you different things that you can do with the airbrush that you didn't think possible. I always get asked, is it possible to, to 100% paint a model with an airbrush? And the answer is yes, it is possible. It would be an amazing amount of masking. It'd probably take you about 10 times longer <laughs> than it would to, to do with an airbrush and a brush. But we want to teach um, grow in confidence to where you're just like, dude, I can airbrush anything I want. Um, we, we use a, a, a 75 millimeter orc from Black, Sca- uh, Black Sailors for the class. And uh, you actually airbrush the mouth of the model. It's got teeth and everything. You airbrush the mouth, the teeth, everything. And you're painting reds purples 
uh, blues in there. You paint the teeth white with brown plaque on it with the airbrush. And I mean, you're talking millimeter sized teeth. And, and the reason for that is that we want you to, to have confidence. Dude, I can paint anything with the airbrush that I want. So it's it's a fun it's a fun class and it, that one focuses on the detail brush, um, whereas like the 101 is more of uh, of your workhorse brush. We we don't use the sotar and stuff. Wouldn't you say that was pretty fair, Ryan? That we don't really use the detail brush too much. Yeah, you, you don't you don't need it. Um, I I used a 105 and so did my wife the whole time with the the large nozzle. Whatever the what's the large nozzle? The five. Uh, the 0.5. Point five, yeah. The yeah, point five. yeah. That's I think that's what ours has is a 0.5 or 0.4. They're just the basic, uh, Patriots out of the box. We didn't change anything on them. Um, and then um, uh, I want to get it. I don't have another. I have those two, uh, 105s. I don't own like a Sotar or anything. So I think at Adepticon, that's I told Emily at Adepticon, I'm going to get us two Sotars, one for me and one for her, and we're gonna, we're planning on taking your guys' 102 class uh, whenever we get an opportunity. Oh, right on. Right on. So, right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kat, I totally interrupted you on that. <laughs> so I'm sorry, <laughs> my mind was going in like six directions. That's <laughs> okay. I, I'm glad that you can just like take a take a a patriot 105 in there i have a patriot and i have a sotar i'm afraid to use my sotar it came in a real nice box and like it's obviously <laughs> like a much nicer airbrush than just the the 105 is and like you can tell like i tried using it one time and it was like such a tiny spray pattern i was like oh i don't know what to use this for there's no priming going on with this guy <laughs> so let me just go ahead and clean it out really well and put it back in the box forever until I take some classes. <laughs> till an adult really well. gets here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So yeah, I have a, I have a fear of my Sotar, and and really just like painting any army with airbrush because like I think my biggest mistake and w- was just jumping into airbrushing and I, I just like I don't know I sprayed like I I, I guess like a yellow. And you just get this like watery yellow liquid that just comes out on, and I don't I don't know I didn't know I don't know I still don't know about pressures or anything like that or how I'm supposed to be doing it right and I just go to town and just spray on things and just spray color on stuff and it always comes out like real blotchy and everything like that so I'm really looking forward to get away from that. I bet he's a pig pen, Caleb. I bet he's <laughs> a pig pen. Oh, I bet I bet <laughs> a pig pen. That's a pig pen. Um, <laughs> Is that like uh, is that like compressor turned up to eleven and just letting it go, <laughs> running through yeah, my running it way through... back here and like using this to control how you spray, like moving the airbrush in and out to decide how big the spray pattern is. That's what Caleb calls the the uh, pig pen because you're sitting in a cloud of paint. <laughs> <laughs> go go through my cup in like two point four seconds. Just that, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. That was a whole pot. How did that happen? Not even half. None of this is on the model. So yeah, that's gonna be me. That's gonna be me in your class. Uh, uh we'll 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 fix we'll fix that really quick. <laughs> so so do y'all have a? I obviously I know y'all come to San Antonio. I saw y'all's Victoria, uh, y'all's Victoria plans. Uh, do you have any other things planned this year? I guess do you have like a schedule going on or, or somewhere that people can find a schedule for you guys to get into your class? I know once you people hear about this, they're going to be hitting you up. They're going to pull their 30 guys together. So maybe you can 
stomp that out now and you'll be near them. Cat, you want to or you want me to? Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we're in Victoria in July. Um, we're in San Antonio in April. Uh, we'll be at Adepticon at the end of this month. Oh, you guys, yeah, you guys release pretty soon. I didn't want to timestamp you guys just in case. I've done that to, to a few podcasts where we actually timestamped them and they were holding the, the, the podcast a little bit. So um, No, we're good. Anyway, <laughs> so we'll be at Adepticon. Um, we are working on the fall schedule now. We have potential, potential classes in Denmark. Um, Denmark. Oh, help me out, Kat. I'm dying here. And by the way, that's a Victoria, British Columbia, not Victoria, Texas, where I'm from, which is pretty poppin', but not that (laughs) poppin'. Yeah, they've reached out, too, from down in Victoria, Texas. That's (laughs) awesome. Um, We're looking at Philly for 101, Chicago for 102, Denmark, um, Texas 102, with maybe with scale 75, Phoenix is out there. Um, We've got L.A. would really love for us to figure out how to get a good central location for them once we do that one apply. So, and we're lo- also looking at Boston, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe lightly on the Boston one, but um, it'll be fun to take 102 to some of the places we've been before, like Chicago and Denver. And with Scale 75 out the gate, they want 102. <clears throat> So can't tell you months on all of that yet because we haven't confirmed. And we're working with really great contacts in those areas that are really excited, enthusiastic about it. So those are things we're going to be nailing down um, date-wise and then secure the location and open up for registration. Oh, did I mention the UK class or did I totally forget that? Uh, No, you didn't. No, you didn't. (laughs) Gosh, um, in May, the weekend before... uh, before Warhammer Fest, we're going to be, uh, we keep saying it's in Nottingham, but actually we're not in Nottingham. We're in Sutton. 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 It, 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 it's roughly about 20 minutes outside of Nottingham. Um, uh, and we're, we're holding both the 101 and the 102. Uh, and I guess that's a holiday that Monday. So that's working out pretty well for us over there. Um, so we'll have, we will have the, that'll be our first European tour, I guess we're going to call it. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, that's don't get in on it. Don't get in any trains in England. Just stay off the trains, find a local, don't drive any cars and don't get on any trains. Just get in a car with a local or get an Uber or something like that. I'll just, I will be lost. We will never hear from you again. You will be trapped in the subway forever. It's like the goddamn webway that you hear about in 40 K. I, I, I listened to it and I heard you kind of talking about it. And I was like, man, I, I, I went for a heresy weekender and uh, it took a long time. Like getting from the airport to London took yeah. like an hour. It, that that yeah. was like brutal. That was so long. But once we got into, we got to, what is that called? Pic- Piccadilly or uh, Knight's Cross, Knight's Cross, something like that. Anyways, that's where the train station is. We jumped on the train from there and went out to Nottingham and it was awesome. The only thing is, is that the UK guys do not believe in heat. I, I don't think I've ever been that cold in my life. Like the entire <laughs> week, my feet, my feet never warmed up. It was awful. 
Um, <laughs> but we didn't we didn't have the problems with the train. I kind of enjoyed the I enjoyed the train there. Um, the subway wasn't bad. Uh, the Ubers were expensive. I was very surprised at how expensive expensive the Uber, Uber was. Yeah, they're. they're Everything. I didn't have to do any of that. I was lucky enough to bum rides from people, uh, random random people I met on the internet. Yeah, I need to. I tried that one time, and then you know, you wind up in weird places when you just <laughs> randomly friend people on the internet. Yes, <laughs> like, hey, have you ever heard of forty k? No. Oh, that's all right. You mind giving me a ride? <laughs> I guess I'm in the wrong groups. I guess I'm in the wrong groups. Um, Thanks charge. again to Oliver and Ben for driving me all over the UK, by the way. I want to throw that back out there. Maybe they'll take you guys' class. Shout out to all of our UK listeners who are now getting thoughts in their heads about taking your class, which I'm sure is the gears are turning right now. Yeah, we, we still we still have we have a few seats left for the one oh one and then we have we have a decent amount of seats left for the one oh two. Um it being the midweek thing, we kinda expected that a little bit. But, or I guess it's early week, but it's still during the week. It's not on the weekend. Um, but we do have we do have a few seats left over for the UK class. Um, but I expect that we'll probably sell out before we make it to May. How can uh, how can people find y'all guys' schedule or know if uh, or know if you're coming to their local area? Like, where can they go? Is there like a Facebook page or a website or? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, they can check us out on our Facebook page. We have our studio page at CK Studios, and we have a schedule up. Um, I posted another update today that kind of gives us an idea of how many seats are available in each class. So, good idea to get signed up as soon as you can. Our our workshops typically sell out, so the closer it gets, the last few seats available usually fill up really quick. Um, so I put that one out today, and there's usually a pinned post with the schedule on our page. There's a button to message us directly there, and then we take it from there. We get folks signed up, get them in the class group, and that's it. It's pretty simple. Yep. Uh, you, you can go to the exact same place, at, at, to CK Studios uh, on Facebook. If you're interested in wanting to get us to come to your area, um, well, our, our minimum is, is 15 students plus a venue that we get asked out a lot. What's our minimum is 15 students. Um, we, we need to make we need to make that amount so that we can kind of cover the expenses of traveling and everything like that. Um, we need a venue that will hold the 15 students that also has power and stuff like that. Ventilation, I, I know that gets asked a lot, and I don't think that ventilation is really an issue. We definitely teach a different style of airbrushing to where we don't have the pig pen clouds. Um, so unless you're like super, super sensitive to the acrylic paints or to isopropyl alcohol, something like that. Um, other than that, I don't think you'll need a, a, a dust mask or anything like that. We've had those discussions. So if you're interested, um, again, 15 students is our minimum on average. Usually the host can get seven to eight students and we're usually able through, through, through our contacts and, um, our reach, we usually fill up the rest of the class. So, um, I mean, if you have some people interested, we can definitely look at it and we're, we're constantly being bombarded, bombarded. I shouldn't say that, but we're constantly being asked, um, if, 
if uh, we'd like to have a class in a certain area, people are like, hey, if you're going to be in Philly, I, I, I want to come. So a lot of people are asking that don't necessarily have a venue. So um, even if you don't know the groups there, if you're interested in having us there, reach out to us. We might have already heard from six or seven people in your area um, to, to hold that class. Man, y'all better get y'all's Facebook page ready. <laughs> yeah, just hit us up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're going to regret that. <laughs> you know, the, the, the more we can do this, the better. We we really enjoy doing this, and we love we love getting out to all these places, meeting these groups. I mean, we wouldn't have an opportunity to meet Ryan or to meet you, Mike, this coming up or or – Gosh, all the friends that we've made. We've made so many good friends traveling through these classes. Adam over there at Beer and Bolters. Um, gosh, just a ton of friends, right? Jeff. <laughs> I could go on and on for hours with uh, with everybody that we've met. So we love it. We love going everywhere. We've been up to Toronto. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, you, if you're interested, we're definitely not against t- hosting the classes. We, lo- we love doing it. That's so freaking sweet. So, so just, you know, you'd mentioned our Patreon supporters uh, submitting you questions. So we did tell them that we were going to be talking to you guys and we asked them, you know, uh, what would be some questions that they would want to ask you guys. And so let me see if I can pull those up. Y'all, y'all down for some questions? Surely. Oh, yeah. So first things they want to know, what's y'all's perfect Sunday? <laughs> What is your perfect Sunday? An ice cream one. There, I answered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll pretend not that one. Uh, they want to know what the best airbrush y'all recommend for your course, if you're going to take your course, would be. So if they need to go out and pick up a just a good starter airbrush, would be a good starter airbrush for them to pick up. In your opinion. I, I, I would say uh, anything from a .30 nozzle to a .50 nozzle will be really good for the the class. If you go any bigger than that, you start using like the 0.7 nozzle or something like that. I don't think that that brush is going to be very effective for the class. Now, if you do have a fine detail brush like the Sotar or something with a 0.2, you can kind of get through the class. But like we talked about, it's a little difficult. It's not impossible, but it's a little difficult to base coat a model um, with the Sotar and stuff like that. So I do like, I, I pers- personally, my favorite is the Badger Patriot, the 105. Um, that's such a great workhorse brush. I, it's on my desk. In fact, I have it sitting right here. Um, they, they never, this brush you'll never get rid of. Um, I use it with my other brushes in conjunction and stuff like that. So I I love that one. The, the Iwata Neo is another good one. The harder Steinbeck, um, Eclipse is, is a good starter. Those are all affordable brushes. Um, the Grex, um, they're coming out with a new brush. I don't know if they've released it yet, but it's called the Essentials, um, and that comes. I think it comes standard with a .30 nozzle. You can get the bigger nozzle for it, but that's going to be a really good brush, and that's affordable. I think they start at like one twenty-five. Um, so any of those brushes are really good brushes. We've noticed that a lot of students struggle when they bring that the Pash Talon. Um, we had a few of those. We have a few of those in each class, and I'm, I noticed that a lot of students struggle with that brush. If you're developed with that brush and you love it, you'll you'll be okay with it. But if you're brand new to painting, you you might want to lean away from that one. I hate to tell anybody to not bring a brush, um, but that one we've noticed students struggle with quite a bit. Um, 
other than that, I mean, just look at that point point five zero to 0.30 should be that that golden area for for the class. That's... Did you want to talk about real, just real quick? Because I know this question always comes up. It came up in uh, every class that I took with you guys. I've had four individual classes about the Grexes with the trigger as opposed to the thing on top, mm-hmm. the button on top. Um, I personally, I, I I don't like that brush. Um, right. The only, it, it, it's not because it's a bad brush or whatever. It's just the trigger. I don't like the trigger pull for control. I develop painting with with a standard airbrush style, but um, those trigger pulls look great, especially if you have um, arthritis or you know you have problems with your hands, fingers with motor control. Those brushes are wonderful for that. Um, we we have a guy in our club that's missing the end of his pointer finger, and that's what we're. But what was right. funny, you'd have to know Jim. He's really cheap, and he already bought a Patriot 105, and then he comes and he shows me. I didn't even realize he was missing part of his finger, and I'd known the guy for like a year. And he's like, well, I'm having trouble, and he shows me his hand. I'm like, well, you don't have a finger, bro. Like, no wonder you're having trouble. <laughs> Key so component right there. He, but. <laughs> I go, I go, I go, why don't you get one of those Grexes with the trigger? Because that'd be easier for you to use. And he's like, I already have this 105. I got to learn with it. I'm like, well... I, you can't regrow your finger, man. Like, I don't want to tell you. So next thing I know, he's on Facebook and he's got one of those uh, rubber things that you, uh, like a page turner thing, like a fingertip. He made himself a prosthetic fingertip. That ear oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, now an, an affordable alternative to the Grex, because the, Gre- the Grex is a, is a little expensive of a brush. Um, a good affordable uh, alternative to that is the Iwata. Um, it's called the... Like like the T T twenty or something. I can't remember what it's called. Um, it, it's it's an affordable uh, option, and we just recently got one for a friend of ours that she she likes the trigger pull a lot better. Um, she's got issues with her fingers a little bit too, with a little arthritis building up. So we got her that, and uh, it's a good brush. It's it's very good, and it's I, I want to say it's half the price. So that that makes a big difference. That's a good entry brush too, but you you wouldn't have a problem if you're bringing in a trigger pull. Yeah, I, I just wanted you. to bring that up because like I, it reminded me because I didn't even real like it's it's one thing like when you have all your fingers and you don't have any issues with your hands, it's not something you think about. But then you meet other people that you know maybe have issues or whatever, and you're like, oh shit, that's what you know. This would be a, a great for them. So I just wanted to bring it up because you never know. You know what I mean? So if somebody's looking to get into airbrushing, has trouble you know, with their hands or trouble with circular saws or whatever happened to Jim. Um, <laughs> you can, yeah, you, there's other options out there brush wise. Yeah, definitely. My first, my first airbrush that I killed was an, a Wada Neo and 5,500. It was a trigger pull. And then I killed one of those little baby ones. And then I think I killed a Patriot. I've been through a lot of airbrushes. They all died from <laughs> from poor maintenance. <laughs> they died from lack of love. Yeah, they they uh wow. I've I'm, there's I'm not confused on who I am. I I know. <laughs> I know this airbrush class has been a long time coming. I'm uh, embracing it. <laughs> so, uh next question they had for you guys was uh, we kind of answered it already. Was just the dreadnought, you know? Would you prefer a Legion-specific dreadnought or just the blank canvas dreadnought, just the static pose 
dreadnought that comes in the Kalth box. So uh, I think you kind of answered they, that a little bit. If they do bring their own, because um, we try and provide them as well, but if they bring their own, we just ask them to kind of prep it out and prime it and get it ready before class. And that's the only thing special really about having their own. Okay. So if you're going to come, have your dreadnought already primed. Prime black. When, Built when, and prime. Yeah, when you join, when when you sign up for the class, um, what'll happen is you'll get invited into a closed group. It's a Facebook group. Hopefully, you have access to Facebook. We have a few students that don't, um, so they miss out on a little bit of the information. But uh, you get, yeah. Yeah, I email everything over to them that I post up in the group. Yeah, but so you'll get you'll get invited to the group, um, the the closed group. Uh, once you join the closed group, uh, there's a pin post at the top with suggested materials, um, materials that you need to bring, materials that we'll provide, um, and then some direction. There is a little bit of direction for the for the dreadnoughts, like you don't want to have the shoulders glued on it and stuff like that for just certain little techniques that we do. Um, and then of course we want it to be a forum or an area for the students to interact and meet each other and plan things out. Um, plan out meals and uh, transportation, maybe lodging, all that stuff. So anything we can do to try to ease the the cost burden, uh, we're we're always for that. Because um, again, our our goal isn't to make a bunch of money at this class. Our, our goal is to to share this. And like you said, we want to have airbrushes across America. <laughs> yeah, man, get us caught up with the UK. That was. Uh... Mm-hmm. That's something that Ryan has always said that like these UK painters and these Australian painters like go to airbrush school before they hit college, you know? It's like like we're just yeah, catching it's part, up. Yeah, it's part of their grade school over there. Like it, it's something I realize. I'm like, why like like oh, I'm off to third period model painting. Like I <laughs> I never did get like we never had anything like that. And then we discovered you guys and I'm super pumped. So I'm I'm glad we finally have our own like you know, curriculum or whatever you, we, we want to call it, traveling around, spreading the word. Yeah, I'm I'm jealous of those UK guys, man. I'm I'm looking at the schedule and they got Sergio coming there and uh, Mark Musclins or whatever is going to be there and Andy Wardell and you know, ah, man, they got so awesome. Like dude, those guys got awesome classes like every month. Yeah. It's amazing, but it'd be hard on the pocket. You got Henry, you got Matt, you got Miles, you got all all yeah, those I'm, guys over there. Yeah, I got to, I got to meet Miles at at, uh, at Heresy Weekender. Really nice guy, way taller than I expected. Yeah, he's a big um, dude. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I sometimes you know you you like meet people on Facebook a little bit and you kind of know them, but you don't you've never met him in person. I'm like, whoa, that guy's like nine feet tall. Somebody yeah, so, brought hey, this precious big boy statue to life. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, that Robin Hood movie. It's like they call me Little John, but don't let my name fool you. I'm not a little legend. <laughs> I'm not a little legend. <laughs> I'm actually pretty big in real life. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so there was that. They want to know when you're coming to Chicago. That was a big one. I guess you're going to Adepticon, so that's good. But I think they're they're. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll be at Adepticon. Um, lot of airbrush classes at Adepticon. They're they're pretty much all sold out, but we do always suggest to this to anyone interested in taking the class is show up at the class, um, have cash in hand, because you do have to pay the the instructor. Um, have cash in hand and see if there's an open seat because 
we usually you have two or three people that don't show up. We have two or three no-shows at each class. So um, get, just show up with cash in hand and see if you can't get in to the class. Any of the classes, not just mine. Um, if you're interested in classes at Adepticon and they sold out. Uh, but yeah, we got a, we got a full... We got a full weekend of airbrush classes. <laughs> I'm teaching a lot. Um, me and Kat are going to be busy. We're going to have a blast, though. Um, and if you want to just meet up and hang out, uh, we should be at the Badger booth a little bit. Stuff like that, too. I'll be having a hobby hangout party Friday night. Oh, yeah. Yep. Adepticon gives us a boardroom to use, a great big conference space. And it's right off of the artist area. And it's Friday night at 10 o'clock, and everybody's going to do a hangout. I think there's like 60 people going already. Good. That's um, cool. That's good. Yeah, so come say hi and meet all of all, us. All you got to do is walk around and just ask people if they're taking the CK class. And then when you find your mark, your mark, you just get them really drunk. Just get them really, really <laughs> drunk right before their class. And then it's like, oh, look, they no-showed. Then you just they right showed. in. You just... <laughs> you just Take their ID, look at their name, and say, yeah, <laughs> my name's Josh Delarosa. That's me. <laughs> I have a sugar problem. <laughs> and then the last one was, what's your favorite cephalopod? So if you want to just think about that oh, for a second. Man. I think it might start, might start an argument. My, my favorite Cthulhu. What'd you say, Cat? My favorite's Cthulhu. 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 There you yeah, go. Cthulhu. Oh, oh, see, she won. Oh, that's not even close. She, she won. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh. Well, guys, oh, anything well. else you want to tell us before we uh, let you guys go? I mean, I, I, I think we didn't milk you for all information out about y'all's classes and and what you guys offer. Absolutely. Um, the one thing we didn't touch on is we have a regular hangout that we do every Wednesday. It's recorded. It's a tutorial session. Lasts about an hour, and it's Caleb teaching on a bunch of different topics. But that we also take suggestions from previous students, members of the Hobby Hangout, that kind of thing, for topics to cover. And even if you aren't a member of the Hobby Hangout, you can still watch the live video feed, but we record these and their intention behind them is that they're somewhat interactive. So we do that every Wednesday. We post up a link to it on Wednesday so that you know what the topic is and really encourage people to go do that, especially our previous students. If they have the urge to review something we did in class, it's a perfect environment for it. So. Anyway, invite you guys all to come in and hang out with us on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, what time? What time do I usually do that? We do it. We start to launch it at six thirty, and we're usually done like in an hour, hour and a half. And um, Caleb just did a really cool one last week on alternate skin tones. Um, so the the topics are are pretty fun. We've been doing airbrush paint reviews for a while, so. Yeah, and yeah. that's 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 six thirty Pacific Standard Time. There we go. And so. as you guys know, my my grasp of time zones is like horrible. And then, yeah, and then if you're if you're interested in checking out some of the previous uh, weekend weekend uh, blah, if you're interested in checking out some of the previous workshop Wednesdays, um, you can go to YouTube. And just do a search for the hobby hangout. Um, 
there's two hobby hangouts that are on there. The one that is just hobby hangout is some of our older videos, but we've moved over to a, a new format that gives us HD video and stuff like that. Um, so that's called the hobby hangout. Uh, take a look at on that site and you'll find um, past videos that we've done for workshop Wednesdays. Um, you're going to find a bunch of uh, Vince. Vince's hobby cheats. Um, oh, that guy is so talented. He's doing a series right now on how to build, design, composition, everything for a base. I think this week he's doing the, he's beginning to do the painting of a base. Um, super, the guy is amazing. Um, who, who else on it? You already mentioned that David Powell's going to be doing his pretty soon. Those will all be on, on YouTube. So um, take, take a look at those. And, and for I'm those of y'all that don't know what a hobby hangout is, so do y'all y'all use Google Hangouts, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I've I've, to I've totally seen this go down before. I just you know didn't want to speak wrong, but yeah, it's a it's it's not so much like a you're just watching like a live stream. If you actually go to the Google Hangouts, like you're involved, like you get to ask questions live to to people who are doing this, and I, I've I've seen y'all are pretty interactive with the chat as well. So, you know, it's. It's it's a lot more than just like a just a go watching a YouTube video. It's a full fledged you know class pretty much is the the easiest way to put it. You know it's like a free class you can just go watch on Wednesdays. Like if you were trying to better your hobby progress on a budget, you know you get full on full on knowledge from this you know course uh, from the hobby hangouts. Definitely. So. Oh, that's very cool. But I know I interrupted you there, Kat. You're gonna say something else about somebody else putting on a class, I believe. No, I think um, Caleb pretty much got that and covered it. We got everybody. <laughs> Sorry, we're interrupting you so much tonight, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on a slight delay. It happens all the time on our podcast. We're always stepping on each other because there's like a one or two second delay. Well, well, I'm glad we got that, guys. Uh, so appreciate you guys coming on. Appreciate your time. I, I definitely look forward to taking your class. And I'm sorry for the emails that you'll be just bombarded with after uh, additional emails that you'll be bombarded with after this podcast. Because there's gonna be there. We have so many people that just as soon as we mention something to somebody, it, they they just attack whatever vendor we brought on. So for that. <laughs> it's good though. It's good. It's everybody's gonna be like i got 15 people what are y'all gonna come to you know <laughs> new orleans or something i don't know <laughs> Ooh, cat you want to go to new orleans right. we can plan we can plan it for right around mardi gras <laughs> oh the, the the only thing is i don't think we want to go to uh mini uh minnesota in january again so <laughs> <laughs> stay warm just stay warm well all right, you guys, we will go ahead and cut to some music and let you guys go. All right, well, thank you for having us on. Thank no you. Thanks, guys.